And now, Monumental Sports and Entertainment along with Pressbox presents Stan the Fans Bat Around. For the next two hours, listen in as Stan and Craig Heist bat around all manner of topics pertaining to the great game of baseball with their great group of guest contributors. Feel free to tweet your questions to Stan at StanTheFan. Now sit back and enjoy the bat around. Guys, take it away. And a very pleasant good morning to each and every one of you on this Saturday, August the 18th. Stan the Fan, along with Craig Heist, and uh, in place of Miss Brittany Everett, is the handsome and eloquent Kyle Ottenheimer. Look at look at Craig Heist. Already, look I at him. He's all, no, but look at him. He's already saying, mm, that's a bag of <laughs> BS. Anyway. We are here for the battle round. It's for not the next Brittany. What do you want me to tell you? I know. I know. I have nothing against Kyle. I know how disappointed you are. You've yeah. been here so infrequently. You, you thought at least you would get the visuals. Yeah, today. yeah. So yeah. Some run, you know, two yeah. two weeks in a row. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. You know, I got to tell you, so you, yeah. you mentioned today's the 18th. Yeah. Yesterday was my mother and father's, father's anniversary. anniversary. I saw your note. Uh, and of course, both are deceased, no longer with us. Right. Uh, however. There's something very important to, to be said for all men out there who are married and have a tendency to forget their anniversary. And you know how wives love that. Yeah. Okay. They don't like love your forgetting the anniversary. Right, exactly. They expect it. They, they expect it, but they don't, they don't love it. My father got married on his birthday. Wow. So he'd never forget his anniversary. That's a, you know, That's that a is smart, a smart move. Man. Absolutely. That is a smart man. Uh, we are here for the next two hours to talk about the great game of baseball, with one exception. We're going to talk about the great game of football and fantasy football with Ken Zalis at around 1045. But here's what we've got before that, and then we'll kind of recap what the Nats did and what the Orioles did last night and how the Orioles are now over 50 games behind the Boston Red Sox. Could they be headed toward an all-time record. We'll talk about that. Uh, but Steve Garland joins us with his um, uh, Bay Bridge traffic report brought to you by Big Bats Cafe out in Stevensville. Uh, he's got his feet propped up for, uh, you know, he had his uh, knee replaced. Right. So he's got his feet propped up. I hope, his feet, I hope his feet are feeling great today, I'm too, I'm sure by they the way. are. I've, you know, when you get a knee replacement, your feet feel good. Yeah, yeah, yeah they do. Uh, then... Andrew Stetka of um, the Utah Street Report and also does some writing for Masson, son of uh, our friend uh, Bill Stetka. Andrew's going to join us. He always brings, he really has, does he come on your shows at all, Kyle? Every every now and again. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, he's on with Ken a little bit, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He always good. brings a, a, an amazing following sure. of, of uh, Twitter he's a, he's, a, he's a Twitter mogul. Yeah, he really is. Yeah. But yet, he, it's not like he's got like 20,000 followers, but he's got like a small cult. He and engages f- with them. He yeah. engages with them, yes, yes. Um... And after after Andrew Stetka, we'll have uh, the aforementioned Ken Zalis. Then eleven oh five, a friend of our program and a fr- very good friend of Craig Heist, Bill Latson, will be on with us. And then at eleven thirty, an old acquaintance of yours, when he worked for the Washington Post, James Wagner, now a writer for the New York Times, wrote a really solid piece on Adam Jones 
and what was kind of behind his staying with the Orioles. Um, I mean, we know some of it, but I thought he did a nice job in his presentation of it. Well, and I, and I know there's fans out there that like to bash Adam for not trying to quote not helping unquote, the help team. the team right. by getting a, accepting a trade, right? So that the Orioles could get something in return. Uh, but if you read between the lines and what Dan Duquette said at his press conference, that he made it clear that you know Adam Adam is here, but make no mistake about it, we're going younger. Now, what that means for next year and whether they re-sign him again. Right, and whether Dan is in charge of those decisions or not, at that we point, don't know. Yeah, we, yeah. Don't, we don't know. So there's a lot of things in flux and up in the air, and uh, we'll just have to wait and see. I personally loved Adam's decision, uh, you know, because let's face it, when, when Mullins came up here, we knew he was going to be moved to right field. So, which is where he should be now. Which is, I think yeah, is where I, he should I, I be agree. now. Yeah. So, so that part of the equation is over and done with. But I mean, in terms of his entrenchment in the community, what he means for certain groups in the com- uh, in the community, uh, I, I think it it's very noble for Adam Jones to make the decision he made. Yeah, I think he. Uh, I respect him for the decision, and also let's be honest too. Let's just say. Let's say the Phillies were really hot for Adam and we're going to give us like Zach Eflin mm-hmm. or, or Nick Pavetta or one of their really top-tier double-A pitchers. Right. A guy who two, three years from now could be a difference maker. They were probably going to throw us some bone of yeah. a guy that they didn't think that much of that uh, you know Dan could feel like a genius if he gave us four innings of good relief the rest of the year. I mean, you're beginning to see – and I'm not making total judgments on anybody yet, but you're beginning to see the level of the talent that was returned to the Orioles in some of these deals. We saw Evan Phillip. Mm-hmm. He, he is not really a, a quali- as Dan Duquette likes to say, a qualified major leaguer, right? I mean, he's, not, he's just not. Uh, he mm-hmm. may become one, but he's a 25-year-old 4A player. You know, and At we this got a, point, yeah. And we got a lot of those in that deal. I mean, for example, that deal – with Atlanta, that deal was so much more about getting under O'Day's salary, getting out of Gosman's salary, and also getting the two point five million bonus slot right. money. And to uh, me, that's 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 what the biggest thing is uh, in all of the deals that they right that they pulled it's off the was the reset the, in the salary structure, the reset in the salary structure, but also the international slot money yep. to go after and sign some of the international players that they have their eyes on. Uh, no question about it. So again, given that those parameters, I'm not upset with Adam's decision. No. Like if he really deprived us of getting a difference maker two years from now, I'd say, damn it, Adam, you really should have you know done that. I totally, first of all, he's earned the right to make that decision. Sure. That's what the 10 and 5 rule is, and I personally think he made the right right move. We had uh, John Mioli on from the Baltimore Sun, mm-hmm. I believe, a couple weeks ago when we were discussing the possibility of Jones you know, taking or not taking the chance right. to be traded. And he made a great point that we hadn't considered at the time, which is if you're Adam Jones and it appears as though the Orioles are noncommittal about your future in Baltimore. Right then you have to consider what gives you the best opportunity to showcase your skills. And I don't mm-hmm. know if there's anywhere else like a contender would be giving Adam Jones every day at bats right. in the number three hole or wherever it is that he's hitting. So for his sake, I mean, it makes sense to play out the year in Baltimore and try to boost his value a little I, bit and showcase himself. I think that that's part of what it, what went into it. It will be interesting because I'm <laughs> sure the Phillies 
are in a precarious perch right now because, you know, they, they are not a lock to make the playoffs by no. any means. I think they will come at Adam fairly hard again. Now, what the Phillies might be willing to do, and I don't, I can't say I've, I can cite chapter and verse of other players, the Phillies might say to Adam, hey, we want you so much. Yeah, you won't play every, every minute, every, but we're willing to commit $7.5 million to next year. You know, now Adam probably will still say, you know, I'll take my chances in the off season or something like that. But the, you you don't know what the other team may bring to bear to con- try and convince him and show that there's a little bit more desire to have him than just for 30 days. Because the less time you have with the team, uh, the less impact you're going to have on that team. You know. Yeah, there's no question about it. And you know, you know, if you're Adam. Uh, and and really from an Orioles fan's perspective, and some people will just brush this off, and that's okay. I've got no problem with that. But you're also looking at still, with a month and a half left, still trying to get people out to the ballpark, and I think there's enough fans in this area that still want to see Adam Jones play. And obviously if he's not here, he can't play and be seen by Orioles fans. But for me, I, I agree with you. I absolutely respected the right for him to do what he did with it being a 10-5 and five guy. And, you know, it says something about a player, and this goes back to kind of old school because we're done watching players play their whole careers with somebody. And, for and the most part. Yeah. For the most part. And that's not going to – I mean, that wouldn't have happened even with Adam whether he stayed or he left because he was with somebody else before he got here. But my, my point to that is when you've – when you've put the time and the energy into the community, into certain causes in the community, and you like playing in the city that you're playing for, mm-hmm. there's a lot to be said for that. Yeah. Uh, I thought the end, the, and I don't want to give away the whole column uh, written by James Wagner, but he, he gets a fan at the very end to say yeah. there's something special about a player wanting to play for their team. Yeah. And there's no question, Adam really does bleed orange and black. And it was interesting to see the comments he made about how happy he is, like a Machado's got a chance to go win a ring. But he says, he basically says, says, I've had my time. I'm I'm 33, I've had my time. And and there were three playoff appearances where this team, you know, had a shot to do that and it didn't work out for them. But there's a lot of players in that boat. Hey, we've got, speaking of boats, we've got a guy who lives near the water, and that is our friend Steve Garland. Steve, uh, how are you this morning? I'm pretty darn good. Stan, how are you guys doing today? We're doing great. You know, Craig and I are just hoping we know that the uh, we we know a little bit about knee replacements and and how uh, your feet suddenly start feeling a lot better once you've had a knee replacement. Oh God, everything's better. I think I've, I finally turned the corner uh, this week, and uh, and I can see vast improvements in the last couple of days. All right. Well, we hope you've got your feet propped up and you're looking out at the Bay Bridge and can give us that traffic report this week. Hey, well, like now, the traffic's very, very moderate. There's hardly not a lot of heavy traffic on Route 50 on this side of the bridge right now. So, uh, And I called over and checked, and they don't have a uh, backup at all right now. So I guess... Uh, Things are going good right now. So this is a good day to sort of scoot down there. Well, it's a good day right this time, but you never know another another, another hour, hour yeah. from now it might not be. I was going to say, I'll see you later, Stan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, 
Yeah, get on the road quick. Yes. Exactly. So, um, how's the how's the restaurant, Big Batch Cafe, there in Stevensville? How are they holding up without you there all the time? You everything is you- going well. I'm 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 realizing that hey, maybe uh, getting old enough and retiring is not out of the question. So maybe it, it looks kind of good down the road here. I like that. I like the sound of that. Uh, yeah. What do you make of what you've seen of the uh, the Orioles the last ten days or so? Well, I see a team that's missing some pieces, but I see a team that has some pieces that could build from. And you know, I, I like the uh, I love the center fielder. I just think he's got nothing but upswing in his career to go. And I think he's got a very great attitude. And uh, I like what Adam Jones is doing for the team. Uh, I don't know if he'll be around, but I would, you know, in a perfect world, I love him to be a part of the younger kids and help mentor those guys over the next couple of years. Let me let um, me just interject for one second. So we got three people here, and you—that makes four of us. A fairly good cross section. Kyle, would you like to see Adam with the Orioles beyond 2017? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's definitely he's beyond 18. I'm sorry, beyond 18. Yes, <laughs> I would definitely like to see him sign a. You know, uh, a one two or, or two three year, year contract yeah. with some incentives, and mostly incentive wise, so he can, you know. And I don't think I think I don't think there's no question the fact that he didn't want to get traded. Mm-hmm. That he doesn't want. I think his baseball career. I think he wants to say, "I'm going to stay in Baltimore." And when I'm not in Baltimore, I don't know if I want to play anymore. Right. That's so, that's sort of it. Does ring that way. Uh, Heisty, how do you feel? You, totally, you're for him. I totally agree, and I'm for him, and I'm for him staying with his team. And uh, I got news for you. The the move to center field, a couple different things. One, can he still play center field? Yeah, but the move to right field, uh, we kind of figure collectively, all of us, that you know, it was about That's time for about that to right happen. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But here's the thing about that. He, he – He's the best center fielder right now that they've got since Nick Markakis left here. Right. You mean uh, right fielder. Uh, I'm sorry, right fielder, yeah. right. No so, question about uh, that either. You know, and, and from that standpoint, I'm ready to give him the everyday job out there. If you sign him beyond this year for like a two-year deal with incentives. That's what I think. Uh, to I, me, I, I it's a two-year. And I think the number is somewhere between seven and a half and eight and a half million a year for two years. Yeah. And uh, uh, to me, makes a lot of sense. Now, would I feel different if Yusniel Diaz really looked like he was ready by next spring? He's hitting about 135, 150 with Bowie. Uh, would I be Different feeling differently if Austin Hayes had had an amazing year and you knew you could plug him in. But what I'm seeing is a situation or a scenario where Adam plays right field about 130, 135 games next year. Yeah. And then next year when Mark Trumbo won't be here, you know, in 2020, Adam can DH 100 games and play the field 30 games or right. 40 games. So I think a two-year deal makes all the sense in the world, and I will chide – uh, general Manager, Vice President of Baseball Ops, Dan Duquette. Uh, we all know Dan uh, has some social awkwardness about him, and the way he communicates is a little off-putting sometimes. I thought he missed a real opportunity when he was asked that question mm-hmm. that you cited the answer to. There should have been a one- or two-sentence preamble before he said, we're moving to young players. Well, and he did should... say we like Adam, yeah. and but you know we've made it clear. Yeah. That but I thought I thought he could have been a little bit more effusive in his praise. A little of, more diplomatic. Yeah, exactly. 
Well, but you know what? Politically correct. Other, Politically po- correct. Yeah, you know how much I'm for that. Uh, but here's the <laughs> other thing. Here's the other thing about Adam right now. If if you can swing something between now and the end of the month, right? Is whoever gets him is getting one of the hotter hitters around right yeah. now. Yeah, he's because I mean he's, he's hot as a firecracker. Up, yeah. He's warmed up right now. Um, yeah, but I I think a lot of I think. I, th- I think we keep forgetting how much pressure has been taken off some of these guys since the uh, trade deadline. I think I think the team was under Mannyism the whole time at the beginning. Everybody knew Manny didn't want to be here. Everybody knew Manny was going to get traded by a deadline. Everything everybody knew Manny was for Manny, not for the Orioles. And I think it really hurt the team a lot. And I think now that that situation's over, I think everybody's looking at it a little bit different even though they don't have all the pieces yet. You, you mentioned Cedric Mullins. I, I, what I love about him, it reminds me It reminds me a little bit of when the Orioles acquired Nate McLeod oh, okay. in, in 2012, right? Yeah. Okay. Prior to that, I, I can't tell you who was playing left field, but there used to be a gap between Jones and center and whoever, whomever Whoever's was in, in left, left field, in, yeah. in 11 and 10 – that balls just quickly got in there and went for doubles and triples. When Nate McClough came, all of a sudden, Adam didn't have to shy, you know, shade over there, which made the the right field. Uh, I, I thought McClough's defense was huge, and I'm seeing that with Mullins. He can track balls in the gaps like nobody we've seen. Right. And since he, Adam was a young, really young player. And that's one of the reasons after McClough got hurt and right. eventually left, that's why you heard Adam tell, you know, the Oriole front office that, you know, we need better defensive outfielders right. and here. that's when they tried to acquire Pedro. <laughs> I mean, when they tried to convert Pedro Alvarez yeah, to an well, outfield. Right, that didn't work out yeah. too well. No, no it didn't. Um, yeah, Mullins I like uh, a good bit. Um, you know, this Villar is an interesting player. He's a player. He's yeah. a player. I've seen him in the National League, and when he's healthy – he can pick he's a, it. He's I think a bit he, of an igniter. I think he even has a little bit better range than Jonathan Scope uh, at this point. And, I won't uh, disagree with that. All right, and uh, but I, I saw him quite a bit in the National League, and uh, he can play. Yeah. And if he stays healthy, he can be a very, very valuable asset for this team. Right. Now, we've gotten uh, a great deal of exposure to Renato Nunez over mm-hmm. the last 15, 18 games. To me, I see a 4A player. Um, I, I have not been impressed. Well, the one thing I do like, he has a very good eye. He shows terrific plate discipline. Walked twice last night, uh, which is something the Orioles don't have. But when he swings and hits the ball, I'd say when he really hits a ball, seven or eight out of the ten times he hits it, it's like a wet newspaper. Well, now let me ask you that this. speed isn't great. If if you don't like, or well, I'm saying, if you don't like Nunez, yeah. And you think he's a 4A player? What the hell is Tim Beckham? T- Tim Beckham is not on this team next year. Well, I'm just saying. I mean, here's a guy. But he may be one of the, the most unintelligent the- uh, fielders I've ever seen. Uh, From a defensive <laughs> standpoint, this guy makes the boneheadedest plays, if that's a word, yeah. that I've ever seen. Tell us how you really. Feel. Well, I'm, but- I'm just saying. I mean, I whether it's Throwing that lob throw right. from he from doesn't have a good side. clock at no. short. No, no. <clears throat> well, I, I can tell you one thing about the, the new guys: the catcher, the uh, third baseman, and, and Cedric Mullins. And that 
you can see with their plate discipline that maybe the minor leagues is doing a decent job training these guys because all three of them really have a good eye for the ball when it's coming at, at them while they're batting. And, and, and that's a positive thing to see three guys that come out of the system that have the same skills and know what a strike is and know what a strike's not. I, I, I agree with you as far as Mullins is concerned and, and to Stan's point, Love his defense in terms of going to get the ball. I think he can go get it with the best of anybody. My problem is his throwing arm. His his throwing arm is it's not very good. Not very good. No. And, you know, when when you said about Nate McLeod, I was thinking you were going to make the comparison. And, I, you know, to me, it's almost like Al Bumbry to some degree because B never had that great an arm. No, what B did after about three seasons, though, B – be, I don't know who taught him or whether you self-taught. He hustled more to get to the ball, mm-hmm. and he shortened up his mechanics, and he got rid of the ball quick. Right. He knew he didn't have a strong arm, but he was not lollygagging. He worked it. At I it. think Mullins. Yeah. I think in time he can improve that. It's not. It's yeah. never going to be a cannon, but I think his yeah, the, mechanics he can speed up a little. Okay. Bit. Yeah, and I think if they get good enough, they hit that cutoff man the right way, and you turn it, bang, bang, and it's done. So uh, you, I think they can get that in the system. There. You know, the the other thing is, listen, a year ago we were in the midst of one of the great months an Oriole player's ever had at the plate with Tim Beckham. Mm-hmm. And we were all like, man, Dan really pulled this deal off. I always knew that the pitcher that we gave up was a 19-year-old pitcher named Tobias Myers, and I had a couple people over watching the game last night. We looked up his numbers. He, he pitched this year. He's 20 years of age, and he pitched for um, their equivalent to Frederick, okay. IA, and he's like 10-6, and 3.3 ERA, whip very good, strikeout standings. We're going to rue that trade. You may, you may, but again, all of that has to translate to different levels and then into the no, major I leagues. I know, but we see what we got. And what really disappointed me about the Manny move to short is when I'm giving up, a, if Tampa comes to me or, or vice versa, we came to them and they start throwing out a pitcher's name, the first thing I do is go, let me double check this guy, right? Mm-hmm. But then we get, we get Beckham and I say, you know what? It's a pretty sort of a bold, brilliant stroke because we, now we got our shortstop for the next three or four years. And lo and behold, they didn't think enough of him as a shortstop that they wanted him to play above Machado this year. To me, that meant they were going to look at him more as a, a toolsy utility guy. I'm not giving up a 19-year-old pitcher like Myers for a toolsy, you know, failed number one pick. Well, and what you're saying there, too, can also be flipped to the amount of players that the Orioles got back in these trades. And while some, as you qualify for a guys, you won't still know that for another two or three years down the road. Yeah. All right, Steve, uh, tell us what uh, is the best part about going to Big Bats other than the fact you're not there right now. Well, that's right. That that could be a very positive thing. I was just saying, how's that for a plug? (laughs) I'm always looking looking to plug Big Bats. There you go. Hey, listen, uh, this week we got some nice, fresh, local soft-shell crabs. So we have a sauteed crab sandwich or a sauteed crab dinner, and that's outstanding. And all the other stuff. The best wings voted every year in the area, and voted the best burgers in the area. So there's plenty to pick from. The biggest thing we want you to do is, Get something different every time you come. Yep, sample you know, the menu. If you had whatever you had last time was good, but there's other good things. 
and is a great place to watch college football and pro football all throughout the fall, correct? Yes, it is. Uh, I don't like to talk too much about pro football right now because they still haven't got my uh, – I'm not excited about the Ravens, but the overall yeah, I know what package is okay. not yeah. – you know, today in, in our business, you've got to spend thousands and thousands of dollars to have the NFL package, and you just wondered – why I should pay that kind of money okay, for Okay, I understand that. But you've got all the other sports, too. So you got the, when the basketball season kicks in, you got the Wizards, the Caps, the Stanley Cup champions. So there's an awful – and the postseason of baseball, which yeah. is coming yeah. up. So it's a great it's place to go. Time of year. And as, right. a guy, as a guy who loafed quite a bit when I played baseball, right. nothing makes me happier, Steve, than to go in there and sit on a base. All right, <laughs> yeah. I hear you. All right. right right at the bar. <laughs> Great baseball. Well, listen, well, something real quick. Last yep. night, I, of course, I haven't been sleeping a whole lot, so last night I stayed up and watched uh, Houston and Oakland play. Oh, yeah. Was some a, finish. I was watching I, it, too. I tell you, Oakland, man, I, I, you gotta, if, you don't, if you're a baseball fan, if you don't like Oakland, man, something's wrong. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I always like Bobby Melvin. I think he gets the most out of the talent that's handed to him, and I think he's always been that way. Uh, and they've had other successful years. They're having one this year, and now they're one game behind. One, Houston. one game behind Houston. And the Astros, since they picked up Roberto Osuna, and you know that that was an open uh, wound there in the clubhouse. Very controversial. I think they're three and six since they acquired him. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. All right, Steve. Right. Thank you for coming on. We'll talk to you next uh, Saturday as well, hopefully. Okay. Take it easy, Stan. Talk All to right. you later, buddy. All right. Bye-bye. There you go, Steve Garland, the Big Bats Cafe. In Stevensville, a great place to watch sports or just to go eat and uh, be amongst your friends. And we love, we love to do that. Yeah. <laughs> eat and be amongst friends. We're going to make our connection with Andrew Stetka in just a minute, and then we will take a timeout after Mr. Stetka. We'll take our first timeout. Andrew writes, uh, he lives in Arizona now. He actually works on, like, the news side of things, doesn't he? Yeah. Uh, I got him a job out there. With, with who? I forget uh, well, who. at that time it was Metro Networks, right. and uh, they switched over to 24-7 Sports. Right. And uh, now I think it's all part of that NBC con- 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 conglomerate, okay. if you will. Is it Entercom? Uh, no. That's, no. That's no, formerly CBS. Okay. All right. But uh, Mr. Stetka joins us right now. He writes for uh, the Utah Street Report. From Tony Lombardi and also from Masson. Uh, joining us now from Arizona is Andrew Stetka. Andrew, how hot is it there at this time of morning in Arizona? Oh, it's not too bad. It's about 85, 90 probably. I haven't been out this morning yet. I've been, uh, I came down and brewed some coffee and I'm sitting here uh, watching a soccer match, which I know will, will please Craig very much. <sighs> <laughs> Let me guess what the score is nil nil. <laughs> It is. It How is about indeed. that, huh? <laughs> but the but the excitement and the pageantry. It's, of course, it's, it's, great. it's off the charts. It's off the charts. I'll bet off you the there's charts. some. I bet you there's not some, as exciting as talking to you guys about the Orioles. So I bet you there's some flags and pennants and things like that adorning the stadium. Absolutely, absolutely. I did. I, I avoided going to the bar this early in the morning to watch the game. You know, we, we should have stay home and watch it. We should have actually gotten Dave Ginsburg to come on with us during this segment, right? <laughs> because he's another lover of soccer, like myself. <laughs> I'm not a hater of soccer, yeah. but uh, you know, I don't go out of my way to see it. He said, "You, you said what? It was '87." 
something like that, 85 to 87 a, a, degrees. Yeah. That always reminds me of the John Panette line about doing the show out in Arizona in Tempe. Right. He says it was 110 degrees, or no, 112. He says, now for me, if once it gets to 110, right. it might as well be 1,000. Right. <laughs> well, didn't he say yeah, that's it's about a the dry heat. starts getting unbearable. Anything yeah. below that is, is fine. Yeah. Hey, by the way, we're going to have uh, your friend Ken Zalis on with us in a few minutes. We don't talk football often on this show, but we're going to talk a little fantasy football. I was driving in listening to the Fantasy Channel, and some guy named Adam, I don't know what his last name was, uh, was really touting uh, David Johnson this year. Like, you know, saying that he's a tier, like top tier up there with Gurley that he's going to put up, and he actually thinks he's – He's more valuable in a PPR league than Gurley. So I was extremely high on David Johnson. I actually had him on, on in my main league last year, right before he broke his wrist, of course. In game, um, in game one, league. right? In game one. Game one. I think yeah. it was maybe two or three carries into the game. <laughs> um, ruined his season. Obviously ruined my season. Um, I, I, I like David Johnson a lot. I definitely think he's a top, you know, five or six back. I'm mm-hmm. a little down on him just this year just because of the offense there overall. I think it's going to be a little downgraded. They've lost some some receiving weapons, and they obviously have questions at quarterback. They don't really know you uh-huh. know, whether it's going to be the rookie or, or, or you know, what's going on yeah. there. So, I mean, it, David Johnson is definitely one of the top, you know, four, five, six backs in fantasy, but I, I'm not quite as high on him as I am a guy like Le'Veon Bell or Todd Gurley or – uh, even I even think uh, Saquon Barkley, the rookie up in New York, is, is probably a little bit above him as well. Now, here's a real amateur question. Driving in the whole time, because i am become much more aware with fantasy football, who the coaching staff is and the offensive coordinator. I remember when Bruce Arians was there that I really liked him as a coach. I can't remember who coached that team last year. Who coached them last year? The, the, the Cardinals. Yeah, it was Arian. It was, yeah. was Arian. Yeah. So who's who's replaced him this year? Uh, Stephen Wilkes is their coach now. Okay, Stephen Wilkes. All right. See, I don't know yeah. enough about him at all. Is he a? a... He came over from the Panthers. Okay, um, and was I can't remember if so he, was he was one of the coordinators ass- for the Panthers. I just remember he was with the Panthers. He was an assistant to Rivera there in Carolina. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. That, that helps me. The offensive line there was injured a great deal last year. Correct. Yeah, and, and they, they already have had some, some issues as well in the preseason. Uh, A.Q. Shipley, the, the former Raven, went down with an injury. I, I can't remember seeing how serious it was, but I know that he was uh, expected to be one of the guys there, and he, and he got hurt too. So it's already, you know, it's already started to go. The NFC West is going to be tough for them. I mean, I think them in Seattle had kind of been at the tops of it uh, the last few years, and I think both of those teams are going to take a step back. I think the Rams and 49ers are the ones that have yeah. that have stepped up and kind of taken the mantle for, for competing for playoff spots out here now. Are you a believer in the coach there, McVay, in Los Angeles? Oh, yeah, I think yeah. he's great. I mean, yeah. I definitely yeah. think that, uh, you know, the Rams are, are going to be, you know, one of the teams to beat in the NFC, not just in the NFC West, but in the conference as a whole. All right. Love, I love his offense. I mean, I love him. I love Goff. I love Gurley. You know. Real quick, before we talk baseball with you, uh, closer to home here, uh, Redskins wind up losing two running backs in the preseason so far. So things are kind of status. Who else did they I know so, they lost Geis. Who yeah, else did Geis, they and then they, I think they lost a backup this past week. Yeah. So things are kind of status quo there, right? <laughs> 
yeah, everything seems to be, uh, you know, going. Well, <laughs> surprisingly enough, you know, the Redskins dealt with, what was it, like 25 guys on IR last season. Yeah. Um, and the Ravens really dealt with similar stuff. And, and, and on the contrary, the Ravens have kind of been able to stay healthy so far, knock on wood, uh, yeah, this on preseason. Wood, yeah. But, yeah, the Redskins, it definitely seems like it's uh, it's starting out in a similar fashion for them. The Redskins are going to be really interesting this year because the NFC East, I feel like, you know, obviously the, the, the defending Super Bowl champions are there, and I think they're going to be pretty good. But, but they're going to have their own kind of question mark with Wentz coming back from the injury. Um, I, you know, that's no guarantee. I mean, we saw – we saw last year with the Ravens what it's like to have a quarterback coming off of an injury mm-hmm. and how much that can lead to a struggle the following year. Um, so, you know, th- there, there's definitely a little bit of, of, of a seed of doubt with Philadelphia. Um, and then the other three teams in that division, you know, I don't think the Cowboys are that great. The Giants are coming off a bad season, but they've kind of tried to reinvigorate themselves, obviously, with the, the rookie uh, Barkley, who I mentioned before. And then the Redskins are there still, and, and I think it's, it's going to be really interesting between those three teams, you know, to see who can kind of contend for, for a potential playoff spot and, and try to knock off the Eagles. It's, a, it's another division that's kind of really interesting, and you don't really know who's going to fit in what slot there. We're talking with Andrew Stetka. He writes, uh, f- writes baseball for uh, Masson and for the Utah Street Report. We're talking a little football before we get back to baseball. What, what's the word you're hearing on the starting quarterback in Philadelphia? Is Wentz going to be healthy enough game one? Does it look that way, that's, or do you think Foles is going to start? Well, that's probably been accelerated a little bit because of Foles going down Foles is in, an, in the New England game okay. with the strained shoulder. Now, I don't think, Andrew, they think that's all that serious, serious but nonetheless, if you're an, right. if you're an Eagles fan— If you're an Eagles fan, you, you're concerned right off the bat coming off a of Super Bowl. Sure, and that's like I mentioned. You know, there's there's question marks there at the very least. Now, the Eagles are a, a, a very talented roster. Obviously, um, they displayed that mm-hmm. in full last year. And I think when it comes to Wentz, they need to be cautious to, despite what happened to Foles. I mean, right. if they've got to go to a, a third quarterback for the first game or two, um, it's something that I think they could probably get away with if they absolutely had to. I know that sounds scary, but. I mean, Wentz, they've got to make sure, you know, that they get him back in, you know, in, in full health rather than rushing him back, despite what happened to Foles. But, but from what I read um, the other night, you know, when, when Foles suffered the injury against the Patriots, it didn't seem like something serious. It might hold him out for a few weeks, but it sounds like he could be okay going forward. Um, everything I read that it was, you know, not going to be a prolonged right. injury. Right, and for those for those out there who are uh, predicting the demise of Tom Brady and the New England Patriots and the Bill Belichick era this year, uh, all Brady did was go out there, play the first half, and go uh, 17 of 28 for 172 and two touchdowns. So, I I think uh, even even though he's adjusting to some new players, I think Tom Brady is going to be just fine. Yeah, the best bet you can make every year in football is Patriots, AFC East champions, and it doesn't really matter what odds you're getting because you're going to win that bet. <laughs> That's a pretty good bet. Hey, Andrew, uh, we, we know your heart is in Baltimore with the Orioles, but you live out in the western time zone. Have you gotten to see, because of the time zone, do you get to see a little bit more of the Oakland and Houston games? Uh, I don't just, I, I don't just I mean heads up. I mean, there. yeah. Yeah, I, I I try to watch a little bit here and there. I actually, you know, tend to, you know, I'm I'm normally in bed by eight nine o'clock every night. I'm 
I'm an old man at this point, so I'm going to sleep pretty early. But, how, how but I'm, watching, I'm watching what I can of them, for sure. All right. Well, I'm looking back. Oakland, I do weekly MLB power rankings. In week 14, the Oakland A's were 15th going into the week. They finished that week 6-1. and one. The next week, they moved up to 12, were 4-1. and one. The following week, they moved up to number 10 after going 5-2. and two, And that takes us to the All-Star break. And at the All-Star break, I had them coming out of the All-Star break, number 9, 2-1. The next week, the, there's a point that is 4-3. Then 6-0 and oh in week 19. And they moved up to number 7. They were 3-2. and two. And the point I'm making in this week, they're three and one. Since since June 25th, their numbers are real. They're probably playing close to six six fifty six seventy baseball. Basically, after going through all that, we can we can use the radio version, Andrew, and just say they're playing pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're. <laughs> I mean, when I should you have added it up. Yeah, on, yeah. There you go. When you're sitting a game back of the defending World Series champion Astros, uh, this deep into the season, you know, we're talking we're a week and a half away from the start of, of September. Um, I'd say, yeah, you're pretty darn good. Um, the A's have done it, you know, in kind of a weird way too, because they don't have the superstars that that these other teams have. I mean, you're, we're talking about guys like uh, like Chapman uh, over at third base and mm-hmm. Jed Lowry and um, Olson and and Chris Davis and Marcus Simeon. I mean, Jonathan Lucroy catching and the pitching staff. You look at some of these names, and it's 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 kind of mind-boggling how they've done it because there's no one out there that is um you know a superstar by any stretch but this is kind of how the a's have always done it it seems to be every three four maybe five years they pop up and have a season like this um and and kind of make a run and and look there's no doubt that you know they have a really good chance to win their division not just settle for a wild card spot and and when you look at it that way wouldn't it be something if we went from Last season, in, 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 a, in an epic seven-game ALCS between the Astros and Yankees, to this season, those two teams potentially playing in the wild card game just to survive to get through the division series. Well, that would be an incredible run and, a, and an incredible story. And if the A's could pull that off and steal that division from the Astros, um, I, I'd be here for it. It'd be something to watch. Well, they've obviously got decent pitching, no question about it. But one of the best things that they have – is a, a guy that used to pitch for the Nationals and Blake Trinan, and he has turned into yeah. quite the closer. And here's a guy that, when he was with the Nationals, <clears throat> pardon me, they got everybody. Him in the deal. Every, By the way, the Nationals got Sean Doolittle, Ryan right. Matson back in that deal. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, right, and uh, right now Matson and Doolittle are on the, the uh, are on the DL, and they're waiting for Doolittle to come back so they can kind of piece together a bullpen for the last six weeks. But my point to this is. Here's a guy with a bowling ball kind of sinker, gets a lot of ground balls, but when he was with the Nationals, he could never really control it all that much. Left balls in the middle of the plate, and when he did, he got hit and got hit hard. And finally, the Nationals, after a couple of years, just, you know, decided it was time to part ways. The interesting thing is... It's it's incredible what they've done with that bullpen, too, because they've pieced it together with so many guys that were, you know, I don't want to say cast-offs, but Yuri's Familia... 
Um, Fernando you know, Rodney. Jackson has been, been starting for them. Yeah. In another national, they just recently picked up Sean Kelly, too, yeah. has, has you know, only pitched a few games for them, but it looked good. Fernando Rodney's in that bullpen, too. Yeah. It's a real hodgepodge of, of pieces. By my, the way, my, my guess is that if Kelly gives up a two-run homer, he's not going to throw, throw his glove and stare into the dugout no, at Bob Melvin. <laughs> hey, by the way, I while you guys were talking, I did my actual math work. 39 last 39 games the Oakland A's 33 and 6. Yeah, and 33 that, you know, and he, 6. Here's the funny part about that. The, a couple of days ago the Nationals were exactly 60 and 60 and now they're back a game over 500. Uh 62-61 now. But I said to somebody on the air, I said, "Well, you know, Mike Hargrove always used to tell me you're going to win 60, you're going to lose 60. It's what you do with the other 42 that count. And the Nationals basically need to win, like, you know, 28 out of their Next last 42. 42. Yeah, yeah, something like that to try to make a run at this thing. Well, let me ask you, are the Orioles 6-33 and 33 in their last, you know, 40 or 39 or 40 games? <laughs> um, have, have I haven't added it up, but I'll bet that's pretty darn close. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be fairly close. I'll give you guys, I haven't written this yet, uh, Andy Dolich, you know who Andy yeah. Dolich is. Andy texted me about 10, 12 days ago. He says, he keep, kept chiding me about the Orioles. He goes, whoa, look at that team. Yeah. Then he said, you guys are, f- you guys, are, what's the largest deficit at the end of a season in games behind in the history of baseball? I want to say it's 60. I said, I said, I don't know, but I'll ask my buddy Mike Shallon. He knows somebody, Elias. Yeah. Got back to me, the 1909 Boston Bean Eaters in the National League, oh. and I'll bet they're the precursor of, of the Boston Braves, finished 66 and a half games uh, behind first place that year. So I, he, I tell him that, and he goes, well, you guys are only 44 and a half games back. He goes, not even close. It's now in t- nine days. The Orioles have moved six games further back. We're 50 and a half back. If the Orioles win 10 more games this year, and finish at 46 and 116, and Boston wins 113 games, we will become the the greatest deficit ever in the history of the game of baseball. Well, and obviously place. part of this is, is how bad the Orioles are and, and what an abysmal season it's been for well, it them. Takes two, it takes two. It takes two. It takes great the Red Sox are. It takes two historic uh, equ- right. equations. It really you know, does. Parts I mean, of the equation. You're talking about a team right now that's got a, a run differential of. 215 on the plus side. Yeah. I mean, they're just incredible. That's, they're, a, they're, they're that, that's an insane number. It really yeah. is. And Kansas City's 218 negative. I mean, the Orioles, not to get, give them kudos, they're only 185 on the negative side. Kansas City is allowed right. 30. They're 218. That's 33 more runs in the Orioles. Well, I'm going to make a prediction right now. I'm, I still think Kansas City is going to finish Ahead. worse than the Orioles. Oh, you do think they're going to yes. finish worse? Okay. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, I don't think either one of them is going to be blazing any trails down the uh, the, the the end of the season. Uh, Andrew, can we uh, can we plug anything you've got up on Utah Street or Masson? Uh, I wrote a piece this past week uh, on MassonSports.com. Uh, you can go check it out. It posted up on Monday about kind of what an important moment last weekend was for not only for Cedric Mullins but for Adam Jones as well in the kind of quote unquote passing of the torch. Um, uh, you know, I detailed kind of just what a what a moment it was, not only for from a baseball standpoint, but 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 potentially from a community standpoint as mm. well. You look at kind of all the awkwardness that's gone on with the Orioles and Adam Jones, and um, kind of how there's this this youth movement now with 
bringing Mullins up and, and seeing what he can do and replacing him in center field. And, and not only is it, it important from a baseball standpoint for this team to kind of move in that direction, but, um, you know, how important it was, at least in, in, from my perspective, to see uh, one, one black man who's so big in, their community, in, the, in this community passing it on, passing on his position to another black man. And I, I'm the last guy you want to ask about what that means to a community, but, um, you know, baseball in general doesn't have enough black players right now. It, it's, it's, it's a trend that's been kind of going upwards a little bit, but at the start of the season there were only uh, 8.4% of Major League Baseball players were black players, were African Americans. Um, and to, to see, you know, one position going you know, kind of transitioning to to another, it, 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 I, I feel like that means something. I feel like that's something that's important and hasn't really been talked about enough. All right, so that piece um, is up on Mass. I wrote a little bit about that at MassInSports.com this past week. All right. Andrew, we thank you for jumping in uh, and spending some time with us. Enjoy the uh, warm weather out there in Arizona. All right, anytime, guys. Thanks a All lot. All right, thank you. Andrew Stetka always does a good job. <laughs> and he's a dairy queen. What's when it's 110, <laughs> you get a milkshake. It says that in the Weight Watchers manual. <laughs> hey, Ironbirds fans, make your way to Lido's Field at Ripken Stadium as your Aberdeen Steam Crabs resurface on Friday, August 24th, against the Staten Island Yankees, presented by APG FCU. On Saturday, August 25th, your Ironbirds take on the uh, take the field as the Star Spangled Banners of Aberdeen on Opioid Awareness Night, presented by Lido's. Come see the world's best extreme pogo entertainment as the ex-pogo stunt team performs throughout the game. Enjoy the number one rated fireworks performance in Northeast Maryland postgame. Visit ironbirdsbaseball.com or call 410-297-9292 to secure your Ironbirds experience. Ironbirds fans, make your way to Lido's Field at Ripken Stadium as your Aberdeen Steam Crabs resurface on Friday, August 24th against the Staten Island Yankees presented by APG FCU. On Saturday, August 25th, your Ironbirds take the field as the star-spangled banners of Aberdeen on Opioid Awareness Night presented by Lido's. Come see the world's best extreme pogo entertainment as the ex-pogo stunt team performs throughout the game and enjoy the number one rated fireworks performance in Northeast Maryland post game. Visit ironbirdsbaseball.com or call 410-297-9292 to secure your Ironbirds experience. It's Toyota's National Clearance Event at Jerry's. The absolute best time to buy a new Jerry's Toyota. Right now, Jerry's has new Toyota RAV4s with 0% financing available or 3000 cash back. New Toyota Camrys from $149 a month at Jerry's or $1,000 cash back. Plus, every new Toyota comes with Jerry's exclusive extended service care. Visit Jerry's Toyota on Bel Air Road or visit jerrystoyota.com and unlock your special price. Special financing and lease with approved credit cash back from Toyota and August 27th. Score big at the Green Turtle with our legendary crab dip, juicy burgers, or any of our delicious boardwalk iced teas and lemonades. Bring the whole team and celebrate your latest win in our rent-free party room. Need to raise money for your sports league or team? Our Funds for Friends program has raised over $1 million for local sports organizations. Everyone is a winner at the Turtle. Visit thegreenturtle.com to find your local turtle. 
Our buddy Steve at Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square has sweetened the menu with the Summer of Peach, featuring a chili and delicious white peach tea lemonade that combines tea and lemonade with fresh white peaches. Many of us were already mixing tea and lemonade, while Chick-fil-A added the extra twist of an essential summer taste, peach. Visit the official Glen Clark Radio Chick-fil-A store on Campbell Boulevard in Nottingham Square. Hi, it's Glenn Clark and Kyle Ottenheimer from Glenn Clark Radio. We're going to be talking a lot of Lamar Jackson on our show, but I want to make a promise right now. For those of you that tune in to Glenn Clark Radio, Monday through Friday from 10 to noon, we will talk about something unrelated to Lamar Jackson for at least 30 solid seconds every day. Kyle, I thought maybe we should give people an idea of some of the topics that we might discuss other than Lamar Jackson. For example, we might talk about Chick-fil-A sauce. Aliens. The television program Detroiters. Jesus stealing pizza. All these things are options for for 30 solid seconds, and then we'll go right back to Lamar Jackson. GlennClarkRadio.com, PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, and watch the show Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. The latest edition of PressBox is available now, and it's our annual college football preview edition, in which we offer thorough previews of the season for all of the FBS, FCS, and Division III programs in the state. Additionally, the edition includes a preview of the high school football season for the region as well. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 rural farm stores. You can also find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Ravens, Orioles, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Stan the Fan back here along with Craig Heist. You're listening to the Bat Around. Don't forget tomorrow morning, unlike this program, you'll be able to hear Ken Zalis tomorrow from 10 to 12. <laughs> 10 to 12 with Sarita Hubbard, the NFL chick, and Kyle Ottenheimer. You're working tomorrow, correct? I am. Okay. I am indeed. Doing double weekend duty. Uh, that's the uh, fantasy and reality football show. KZ will join us in a couple minutes. Craig, we just, hope. <laughs> just to give you an idea, from week 14, which was June 25th to July 1st, Houston was number one in my power rankings. Since right. then, they've gone 22-21. and 21. Oakland was number 15 in my power rankings. And since then, they've gone 33-6. and six. That's a net game of like 13 and a half games. Sure, that'll get you back in the pennant race real yeah, quick. Yeah. You and think it's too late for the Orioles to go in a uh, run like that? that? Pr- probably since they've been eliminated from both the division <laughs> and the wild card by about a week. So uh, it's yeah. interesting, you know, and, and the Nationals find themselves in, in a very precarious situation in terms of games behind. Now, they gained two games in the standings in the last two days against the uh, Atlanta Braves. Right. So that deficit is now seven. The wild card deficit is five and a half. They've got three games coming up with the Phillies next week at Nationals Park. Uh, they've got a total of nine against the Phillies and three, and three against, against the Braves. Braves. So still plenty of time with head-to-head competition. But like you said, right now it's, to me, more about a numbers thing. And when you look at trying to reel off, say, you know, 15 of your next 20 or something like that, that's what it's going to take. Because you have the head-to-head opportunities, but you also have to hope for, you know, Atlanta and Philadelphia to kind of slip up a little bit. And what can happen there that the the Nationals don't have any control over is if they're beating the Phillies in Atlanta a little bit. Yeah, that makes makes it uh, Phillies and Atlanta. That makes Colorado and the Dodgers chances to get that second wild card team with the Brewers 
And where I was the say, only team to get in from the East might be the winning team. Might be the winning team. You're right. And the other part of that is there's three, like you said, maybe even four teams now for the Nationals to have to leapfrog to get to that point. But to be able to do that, like I said, it's going to take a streak like you just mentioned uh, that the A's went on. And f- from my point of view, you know, can this happen? Yeah, it can happen. I think their offense is good enough to make it happen. The biggest question right now is un- until Doolittle gets back, until Matson gets back. Or Herrera. Herrera, how do you – piecemeal the seventh inning and they're trying the... to do it with coda glover right now right and yeah. you know coda god bless him had a nice outing in st louis got a little hairy for him but he was able to get through it uh but again he's back and he's healthy so that's a good sign the the sean kelly thing now you're in that you're yeah. in that you've been in that clubhouse all season long and last year the two guys they got rid of out of that bullpen now you know hindsight's twenty twenty. You don't know that you're going to lose all three of Doolittle, Matson, and Herrera. Right. But the guys they got rid of, Kinsler and Kelly, mm-hmm. were, were there more things going on behind the scenes I there? Think, I think there were. I think Mike Rizzo feels like in Kinsler's uh, situation, uh, he might have been the one that leaked uh, some of the information to, about uh, the clubhouse okay. to the Yahoo reporter uh, who wrote that piece about a month ago about the you know the clubhouses in disarray, which... You know, you expect somebody to step up and say no. That's yeah. not the case. And yeah. Adam Eaton very publicly said to everybody that afternoon, anybody that tells you this clubhouse is in disarray is an absolute, you know, it's, it's an absolute lie. It's right. not. Right. Uh, so I think there was that. I, I think from uh, Sean's point, you, you, you're looking at a guy who was asked to come in in a 25-1 to game against the Mets and he winds up giving up a home run. He doesn't pitch well. He's asked to mop up, mm-hmm. and he throws his glove down after giving up a two-run homer, and then he just peers and stares here's my, in at here's Dave my, Martinez. I know the, the history of that, and, and they got rid of him, and that's their choice. Pretty, pretty much the next day. Yeah, but that's their choice. That's Mike Rizzo and, and Dave Martinez's choice. Had they, had they held on to him, would he be the guy closing games out now? I, I'm, I'm not so sure about that uh, because if, if Glover they still was, think more of Glover. I, I think they'd yeah. probably think more of Glover because here's the thing with Sean Kelly. While the experience is there, you can't use him any more in the day right. because his arm's going to fall off. He's mm-hmm. been through two Tommy John surgeries. and uh, So he's a guy you got to parcel out the usage right. of. Right, and whatever, Doug Mel- I mean, whatever Bob Melvin gets out of him between now and the end of the year – is going to be absolutely gravy for the for the Oakland Athletics. Speaking of bullpens, the Dodgers mm-hmm. before the week ten days before the trade deadline, there was a lot of thought that they might be the team that got Zach Britton, and mm-hmm. we know how Britton's pitched since the trade. But the guy that they were really attached to was Shane Green with the Tigers because the Tigers have a young up and coming closer. Although Green doesn't make a lot of money now, uh, but they they didn't make the, they didn't make the deal to get Green. And all of a sudden, Kenley Jansen goes out with an irregular heartbeat. Can they get a reliever through? Or, or they're talking as if they're confident in the guys that they have. Well, they're talking, and I'm not so sure I believe in that. No, I don't believe it. I don't believe in that so much. And uh, if, if you're Dave Roberts right now, you got to really figure out how you're trying to piece that uh, that bullpen together down the stretch. So, you know, from my standpoint. I think the Dodgers, although they were favored, mm-hmm. I think that drops them back a little bit now. All right. Do we have KZ now? 
Mr. Ken Zalis is joining us right now. He will host the Fantasy and Reality Football Show tomorrow morning, but we wanted to do a little football interlude uh, this week because we know how much attention, like on the Fantasy Channel now, all the shows I used to listen to, they're all off the air because of fantasy football uh, embarking uh, pretty soon. How are you, KZ? I am wonderful. How's everybody today? Uh, What time is we're both fine and Kyle's fine? What uh, what time is your next draft? You must have five or six a day, don't you? Uh, no, uh, I actually my my first uh, draft this year is the twenty third. Okay. Of August, and then I think I have one to two a day up and through like September fifth. So. Okay. But so, uh, so you're it, in a... it, it's almost the season. I, I like to do drafts after we've uh, gotten into the third uh, preseason games. So uh, you know, it's usually the uh, the one that matters the most to, to to NFL teams, and you get a better sense of who the who the starters are and what the rotation is. So. I was I was teasing with Stan a couple of weeks ago. I said, you know, my Facebook page just gets inundated with Ken Zalas' post about fantasy football, and I said, is that all he does? And Stan was kind of like, yeah, pretty much. And <laughs> it, it's got to be a love. I mean, it really does. I mean, I. I never thought to myself to get into playing fantasy sports, whether it be baseball, football, what have you, because I was thinking, you know, with everything else you got to keep up with, if I did that, I'd probably either drive myself crazy or, in a baseball sense, have what Stan has with drafting players who automatically ruin his fantasy team. <laughs> well, we, 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 we do that even in, in football, but it, it's. As much as it seems like uh, it's inundated, you get about four or five months off of it. It's a, it's a much shorter season, and and you know the regular season of, of fantasy football is only twelve to thirteen weeks. Mm-hmm. So it, it it it's a lot of prep work, but the season itself of playing the game goes by in a blink of an eye. We're talking with Ken Zalis, uh, one of the foremost uh, experts on fantasy football uh, in the top ten yearly. Uh, amongst the experts. Ken, one of the things as I've gotten to play, and I only dabble in it really, but I won for the first time ever in one of the worst championship games of all time. I can't even remember who I beat last year, but it was just a (laughs) god-awful game. Uh, But one of the things I've learned is trying to, to match up players and who their coaches are. So new coaches. I'm looking at three new coaches. The Titans with Mike Vrabel, the Bears with Matt Nagy, and the Cardinals with Steve Wilkes. What do we know about them when you're trying to look at who their offensive, what their offensive schemes are going to be? Or do you have to dig down even deeper and know a little bit about who their offensive coordinator is? Well, I, I think let's start in Chicago because that's the easiest one. When you look at Nagy, you kind of you have an idea uh, based on where he's come from and things like that, that what he what he's going to do, and and you got to look to what Philadelphia ha- has done, and I think you look at what Chicago brought in in the in the three wide receivers, the tight end from Philadelphia and Trey Burton, and you look at that as more of a balanced offense. Uh, you're going to get a lot of passing to the running backs, whether that be Jordan Howard or whether that be uh, Tariq Cohen. But you're also going to get about 20 rushes per week. So you have to temper your expectation. We all love Allen Robinson and, and what he can do. And, and, and one of the darlings of the early fantasy drafts 
is Anthony Miller, uh, the, the kid out of Memphis. We all love him. I just don't know that there's enough footballs to go around to make either one of those guys a top 24 type uh, wide receiver. And you have to temper that based on in your draft is like, you know, in, in the, if I'm in the third round and Allen Robinson's available versus somebody who may be a number two wide receiver on another team that's going to throw the ball a lot more, which way do I want to go? Uh, in the other two cases, you know, you look at, you look at Tennessee and, and, and you have to read a little bit more into it. Uh, same thing in, uh, in, uh, in Arizona with, and go to their uh, offensive coordinators, Arizona, looks like a, a situation and bringing in uh, Bradford, they're going to be a, a running and, and short passing uh, type of team, which uh, if you're looking at a, a David Johnson, who's back from injury, you got to be really excited about because that plays into his forte as well as Larry Fitzgerald, who, you know, people are kind of forgetting, but I, I can, as long as he stays healthy, yeah, uh, 90 catches, 90 catches, a thousand yards, eight touchdowns and, and be done with it, and that's pretty close to a, a number one wide receiver for your fantasy team. One of the things I'd want to know, though, if I'm contemplating drafting uh, an Arizona, either the running back or the wide receiver, is who's behind Bradford? Because Bradford sure has a hell of a time staying on the football field. Well, you got Josh Rosen, their number one draft pick uh, out of UCLA. The, the thing with, with Rosen, a lot of people were saying that he was the most NFL-ready rookie uh, to come in as far as if somebody had to start. Now, he's going to be maybe the last guy to start unless there's an injury to Bradford uh, somewhere early this year. But I don't think you're going to lose a whole lot because it, he, he's an accurate quarterback, uh, can throw the deep ball a little bit, but, but he, he likes that, that, that uh, underneath to, to medium-range uh, uh, you know, route, uh, route tree. So I think you're okay even if Bradford goes down with Rose, and I think he's very prepared to step right in. We're talking with Ken Zalas. Ken, we've just got a couple more minutes. Uh, let's spin back here to Baltimore for a second. Uh, Jalen uh, Ramsey says that Joe Flacco sucks. We're not necessarily going to agree, disagree over the past couple of years, but there's been a extenuating circumstances about who he's had around him and his health. This year he looks healthy. This year, they've added three pretty talented receivers who give them a diversity of target in in Michael Crabtree, uh, uh, Brown, and uh, uh, Willie Sneed. What do you think of Joe Flacco this year, and what do you think of those three uh, receivers? And let me add to that very quickly, along with Stan's question, the whole idea of those three who, from a nationwide standpoint, haven't gotten the kudos that some of the people around here in Baltimore are giving them, how do you think that plays into it? Well, they're not going to get the kudos because person to person, you can find flaws in all three guys. I mean, you know, yeah. uh, Willie Sneed missed basically all last year injured and in the doghouse. John Brown's been injured since 2015. And Crabtree is not the deep down, the deep threat that he once was and seems to be more like the, the possession-type receiver, which – if you're looking through the lens of a local lens in Baltimore, you're saying, hey, this is great. We haven't had any of this in a long time. <laughs> but there's a lot of ifs and buts with the three of them as well. As much as we're excited about them and John Brown's looked healthy and I haven't really seen a whole bunch of Willie Steed. I actually am intrigued by him uh, a little bit. Uh, 
it, it, Joe looks great so far, but Joe hasn't faced a number one defense yet. We'll see if that happens on Monday night and see if, you know, the offensive line, who has looked good, who also hasn't faced a number one defense yet, can hold up. Uh, you know, Joe Flacco needs to play better. He'll admit that. Uh, the team needs him to play better. And if he doesn't, he's not going to be the quarterback for a long time on this team. If this team starts somewhere around 1-3 and three with what their early schedule is, I think you're going to hear a lot of fans and there's going to be a lot of pressure on this coaching staff uh, who are now, now looking at their jobs. If, if we're going to come back next year, it's probably not going to be with Joe Flacco as our quarterback if they start out 1-3 and three, and they're going to have to go to Lamar Jackson. So that makes Joe Flacco a, a low-end quarterback two in fantasy if you're going to draft him at all in a redraft league. Well, we don't want Stan on the team in, a, in any receiving position uh, at, at all because he has a tendency to drop things. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I would not be one of the receivers you'd want to draft in fantasy. Uh, KZ, give us um, give us top five sleepers. Well, we just did this on uh, on Pressbox and PressboxOnline.com, the Pressbox print edition. Uh, you know, it's really tough. And and you look to Miami first of all, and their wide receiving core without Landry has about 125 to 150 targets up for grabs. So where does that go? Uh, Devontae Parker is a guy that everybody wants to be good who just hasn't been. Uh, Albert Wilson's a guy that uh, has come in um, and really uh, been that short yardage guy. Danny Amendola is a guy also there, short yardage guy. I think those two guys you can really look at and say they're sleepers. You can get them in the 12th, 13th round of fantasy drafts. You look to uh, a, 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 a guy uh, in Miami, and, and I refuse to ever do this again because I've been doing it for four years, but Frank Gore won't go away, and he's being totally ignored in fantasy realms. You can get him in the 14th round of most drafts. Running backs are really, really thin right now. Yeah, You have to grab guys like that that may be a touchdown guy. There's some questions about... Kenyon Drake and whether he can really be looked great in spurts last year and especially down the stretch, but especially can he be the every down guy? Frank Gore is a guy that look every time he plays he's he, he's done well. So you you look there, you look to to Pittsburgh, James Washington, who may not be a sleeper anymore, one of my favorite wide receivers coming out in this year's draft, but Martavius Bryant is no longer there. I know you got. Uh, Juju Schuster-Smith, and you got Antonio Brown. But there's enough balls to go around and, and and make three wide receivers happy. So James Washington's a guy that, you know, a lot of people are looking at rookies, and they love to take rookies in drafts. He's a guy that's not really in that discussion right now as far as that goes. Okay. So I really like him, and I'll, I'll give you one more. I think you asked for five. I'm going to yep. give you four. But, but you look to the running back position – and you look to a guy like Marlon Mack from uh, Indianapolis, Andrew Luck being healthy is going to make all the difference in the world in that offense. You can't stack the box anymore. You have to uh, keep the safety outside and, and double-team T.Y. Hilton, who's great with Luck. Uh, Marlon Mack, as long as he can stay healthy, he's a guy that's going in the seventh, eighth rounds of drafts right now. He's shown in spurts that he can be very dynamic. I really like him in that offense, especially if you miss out of, of running backs early. 
I want to give you one tip, and I heard it yesterday uh, because I know you actually play meaningful fantasy football where you can win money. Uh, This is on the Fantasy Channel. How deep do you get into looking at team schedules? This guy was saying that Matt Ryan plays five of his first seven games at home of the season, and they were all games that he could project being shootouts. So he was saying this guy is going to get a lot of points in the first five of the seven weeks easily. I look at schedules, but I more look at at divisions, uh, things like that. You know, if you're if you're in the in the NFC South, like uh, like Matt Ryan is, I mean that that goes without saying. Uh, the the problem with Matt Ryan is that we're we're thinking of Matt Ryan for two years ago with Kyle Shanahan, and yeah. Kyle Shanahan isn't there anymore. And that's been a huge problem. Uh, you know, he's been one of these guys that has been semi-disappointing. Mm-hmm. He's never really, you know, gone for that 30-touchdown year, 4,500, except for the one year that Kyle Shanahan was there. So uh, we saw what happened last year. It didn't look good. So I don't know if I read too much into okay. it. You have to look at schedules a little bit, but but it's more about the player. And for me, it's always about opportunity and how many touches and targets and opportunities you're going to have. For, for a particular player. All right, we're bumping up on another guest, but Jay Ajani in Philadelphia, is that a plus for him? Uh, I, I actually like Corey Clement a little bit better. Uh, okay. Ajayi, Ajayi in a standard league, he's going to get all the goal, goal line work, but Clement, uh, Corey Clement's not going away. All right. Thank you very much, KZ. Take care, guys. And listen to KZ and Sarita and Kyle tomorrow morning, Fantasy and Reality Football Show, 10 to 12. Uh, up next will be Bill Latson. We'll join him in just a second. What's Bill been writing about lately, Craig? Uh, well, I know he's been writing about the Yankees and the Mets and covering games. That That's like practically like nepotism. Yeah, well, the it is. Yeah, exactly. But we'll ask him about, uh, even though they're 10 games behind the uh, Red Sox, we'll ask him uh, what the thought is in New York about maybe a one-game playoff as a wild-card team and how – sketchy that can get for them yeah i I think that's certainly a big story and uh is he ready to go yeah bill latson from mlb.com joins us on the phone bill good morning how are you how's it going craig good and stan of course is here with us Uh, i gotta ask you right off the bat uh the yankees uh, obviously you're, you're you're looking at a team that's about 30 games over 500 but they're 10 games behind the red sox because the Red Sox numbers are just, you know, Nintendo-like, if you will, for the year. Uh, what's the general feel around that club right now? I know they're missing Aaron Judge, but I saw John Carlos Stanton hit a big home run yesterday. Uh, how is Aaron Boone faring with, number one, the injuries, and number two, uh, as they make their way toward at least a wild card game, everyone pretty much thinks? How's he handling all this? I think he's handling it very well. I mean, he, he can't. He's missing key players. It's not just Aaron Judge. I mean, you have Sanchez. He he's out. Uh, Gary Sanchez. He's out for a while, and he has two maybe two more weeks to go. So um, I just think uh, they need everybody back. Um, I, I still think they need some pitching. I'm, I'm not crazy about their pitching staff, the bullpen, nor the starters. I mean, to me, Lance Lynn is not the answer. But you know. You know, we'll see how it goes, but I just think uh, I just don't see them win the World Series if that's what you're asking. 
listen, they, they did a nice job in the acquisition of Jay Happ, but the guy that they were linked to for a long time was Cole Hamels. I guess fairly their scouts saw some flaws in Cole Hamels' game that aren't present right now while pitching in the National League. Is it a change well, in ballparks for Hamels? Well, he's doing he's doing well. He's doing well in that small ballpark. So, I don't know, man. I don't know what they didn't see, but uh, Cole Hamels is you know his last two starts with the Cubs have been outstanding. So he, he induced. Uh, I don't know if he induced all seven of them, but they had seven double plays last night, tying a major league record with Cole Hamels getting at least five or six of them. And he went seven innings last night. So. Yeah, he's been amazing, and uh, I mean, since he's been with the Cubs, so it was a good deal for them. Tell tell me, Bill, right now at this time, we're at August 18th as we're talking, and I'm not just going to ask you about Adam Jones because I don't think there'd be a problem getting him. Well, he passed through waivers. Yeah. How tricky is it for a team, say, like the Yankees looking for another starting pitcher or the Dodgers looking to shore up that bullpen have they let that window kind of close on them on being able to really acquire anybody meaningful before September first? I, I don't think it's it's. Uh, I don't think they close their windows, but uh, I don't know. I mean, it, I mean, they, but the they, screen, they but get, the screen's on there pretty tight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, but but the thing is, though, they have to pass through waivers in, in order yeah. to get the players they want. So uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's, it's going to be tough, but you know we have to wait and see. It's it's a it's a it's a crapshoot right now. Well, to me, the biggest disappointment probably, if you're Aaron Boone, is the performance of Sonny Gray. Yeah. Uh, so up and down, and really in games you would think he'd pitch pretty well in, he hasn't pitched well in. Uh, what's the Yankees feeling on Gray? I know they put him in the bullpen for a little bit, but then he was back in the rotation. Yeah, I mean, I don't see him staying in that rotation long. If they can get another starter, I mean, there's no time to wait for him to really get it together now. So, I mean, I, I think uh, when it's all said and done, he'll be in the bullpen if they go to the postseason. But I just don't see him being a factor um, the rest of the way. Well, it's really fascinating to me is how the Dodgers kind of, and, and I'm not saying, uh, you know, obviously hindsight is twenty twenty. You don't know that Ke- Kenley Jansen is going to get a irregular heartbeat uh, two weeks after the trade deadline, but they were pretty, I guess cocky is the word that comes to mind where I know the Tigers probably weren't asking an arm and a leg for Shane Green, but I think they felt they deserved a, a good return and the Dodgers turned their backs on him. And now they really are, in my opinion, they're up against the wall. But, but the, you know what, though? They didn't know that uh, Kenley Jansen was going to have this heart problem. No, I understand that. Problem. Yeah. But, but yeah, they but, knew that so, they had, they knew behind Jansen that they had some issues with unproven guys in those roles. Yeah. But I, I think when, when he comes back, he's, he's not out for the year, uh, fortunately. So, I mean, I think once he comes back, the Dodgers will be, he'll be okay. Believe me, I think they'll be okay. We're talking with Bill Latson of MLB.com. Bill, you're up there in New York with the Yankees, with the Mets, uh, and back tail to the Yan- tail of two teams, uh, two different teams. Yeah, exactly. Wow. But uh, let me ask you this about Zach Britton. Uh, when the uh, Yankees got him, we knew he wasn't going to close. We knew he was going to be setting setting up guys, uh, you know, maybe seventh inning, sometimes in the eighth. But 
I, I know it's been up and down with Zach since he got there. I happened to see two of his better performances, the three-up, three-down inning, uh, I guess it was yesterday afternoon uh, mm-hmm. in, in the seventh, and I've also seen him throw another one-two-three inning. But there have been outings for Zach where he hasn't been able to find the plate, and people are laying off that sinker. Well, I mean, I just, I just, it's a matter of him getting comfortable in his new environment. I, I just think, um, you know, I think he's going to be relied on, you know, heavily towards the end, and I, and I think he'll be okay. I, I'm not worried about him. I mean, my biggest worry is the starting pitching. I mean, the starting pitching, um, they got to, they got to go at least seven innings. I mean, lately, you know, the way CC Sabathia is, has been going, and I know he's injured now. I mean, these guys got to go deep, and uh, you got to go deep at least often for the Yankees, for them to at least win. Hey, Bill, uh, I noticed uh, about 10 days ago, 12 days ago, you had a piece of Q&A with uh, our old friend Nick Markakis here, uh, now with the Braves, finishing out his fourth year. Um, mm-hmm. Where do you find his uh, sort of mental state right now, at, at very much at peace with that decision and knowing that he did the right thing for him and his family. Hey, Bill, before you answer that real quick, you would you would ask me before you did that interview, what kind of guy is Marquez like? And I said, I mean, I said I always had, uh, you know, great, great rapport, rapport with him, and I said, but he's a guy that doesn't say a whole lot, but he's very good at saying what he means and yeah. what he's trying to tell you. Is that pretty much the way you you found him? Yeah, I mean, um, to my surprise, he was open. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, and to, to answer your question, I, I think um, <laughs> Markakis has no regrets leaving Baltimore. Yep. I think he's happy that he went to Atlanta. And, I mean, we see what Atlanta's doing now. He's having a great year helping these young kids out. And, you know, he, he told me he wants to stay in Atlanta. Um, he's a free agent after this year. And, you know, uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, the guy has been, um, has been a godsend. He's a leader. For the for the young staff for the young hitters, so um, I, I think uh, he still has game left. I think he's going to stick around. It sure it sure would look like that, and it's really interesting how he left, and he probably is going to find the new long term home. And Adam stayed. I mean, well, he was in early in the contract of mm-hmm. his six year deal, and now it looks like this could be the end of Adam's uh, tenure in Baltimore. It's just interesting how. What, what was it called, 2110 Utah Street, the two of them? <laughs> yeah, that's right. They called that, uh, those seats out there in, uh, over the porch there that overlooks center and right field. It's uh, just interesting how those two guys played out their, their careers. Well, Adam, well uh, Adam Jones had a chance to go to the Phillies, and, uh, you know, obviously he was going to get reduced playing time, but uh, he decided to stay in Baltimore. So, and, I, and I totally get that. I mean, the guy's family is, you know, his wife is from Baltimore. I, I could totally understand, wh- you know, why he decided to stay. Well, the other part about that, too, is uh, how entrenched he is in the community, what he does for the city, uh, what he does for some of the programs in the city. I think that cannot be taken lightly, and I think it kind of speaks to the character more than anything else of Adam Jones. Oh, no doubt about it. I mean, uh I mean, I mean, he's he's one of the best guys I ever met in baseball, and uh, he, he, you know, this guy really wants to help the community. He's more than just about, you know, on the field. He, yeah. he wants to be known off the field as well. Yeah, there's no shut up and dribble in Adam Jones. 
if no, you know no. what I mean. No. No, but there isn't LeBron James. But go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Bill, um, one of the great stories this year, and maybe the story has been the Oakland Athletics. We talked a little bit earlier with them, uh, about them with our friend Andrew Stetka, who's out in Arizona. They've gone 33-6 and six over their last 39 games, while Houston has gone 22-21 and 21 in their last 43. Uh, it's hard to control what the other guys are doing unless you're playing them, but that's a pretty remarkable turnaround by Billy Bean and Bob Melvin. I mean, they're only a game behind Houston. Yep. And then, and then you have Seattle in the in the mix as well. For a long time, it was Seattle, um, you know, behind Houston and Oakland had a were, were, were way back was way back and uh, and now, I mean, Oakland with that young team, I mean, they could really go places and uh, you know they could win that division. I mean, I'm not putting it past them. I mean, uh, you, you know, the Astros have some holes right now. They have some injuries with Altuve and. Uh, the shortstop has slumped since he came back from the uh, DL. So I mean, uh, anything can happen in that uh, in that West between the Astros, A's, and even Seattle. Well, I'm not. Uh, Seattle is in there too. Well, Mariners right now are 70 and 53 after last night, and the Angels went up there. I'm sorry, the Dodgers went up there and beat them. Clobbered them, them yeah. And clobbered them. And Manny Machado had a couple of home runs in that game with uh, three RBI. Uh, so if you, you know, <laughs> get back to the Kenley Jansen thing, if you're scoring 11, you're probably not going to need your closer. <laughs> no, no. I think, I think the Dodgers are going to be okay when it's all said and done. I'm, I'm, I wish I shared that because yeah, I, I, I kind of like them. I kind of root for the Dodgers sometimes in the National League. I like the Phillies too, but I, the Dodgers scare me right now. They really do. Um, we're talking with Bill Latson and, uh, Bill, the, the interesting thing is where I'm critical of the, Do- the Dodgers for under-acquiring bullpen help. Uh, I can't say I'm knocking Billy Bean. He picks up Urias Familia about three weeks before the deadline, and then right after the deadline he gets Fernando Rodney. Uh, mm-hmm. Is it beyond him to flip one of those guys to a team like the Dodgers at the end here? No way. No, no not now. Yeah. I mean, if you know the history of Billy Bean. Yeah. Once they're winning, he's not going to get rid of anybody. Okay. okay. I mean, he, he's going to keep who he has, and, and hopefully, you know, they can go far in the postseason. Now, a guy that you and I both covered while he was here in D.C. Uh, is Blake Trinan, and here's a guy that saves 30 games so far for Bob Melvin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we all know that the Nationals loved his stuff with the ability to get ground balls, but a lot of times he couldn't control it and left balls over the middle of the plate. And after a few years of this, uh, the Nationals decided to get rid of him. Uh, but t- to be honest with you, I mean, here's a guy that's going out there, and he found whatever it was he needed to find because he's getting ground balls at an alarming rate, and uh, he's really pitching well. Craig, if you remember when he's with the Nationals, I mean, he couldn't get lefties out at all. Right, you're right. And, uh, and now he's doing... A great, great job. I'm really happy for him, and uh, I just think it's a matter of giving him a role. Mm-hmm. And, well, he didn't have he, he didn't have that here. That's for sure. That's correct. I mean, right. and, and that's he, right. and he was set up. They wanted him to be a closer, and yeah, that's kind of tough on a guy. Yeah. So I mean, here when he got to Oakland, you know, they said, "Hey, you're the guy. Nothing's going to change. 
and it's been smooth sailing ever since. We're talking Bill Latson writes columns for MLB.com. And, Bill, what's on your plate the next week or 10 days or so? What are you keeping a close eye on? Well, I'm keeping a close eye on the pennant races, obviously. Uh, I'm going to Yankee Stadium tomorrow. Uh, see if I can get uh, Brett Gardner or uh, Gene Carl Stanton. And then, you know, we, that's about it. Just looking out for who's ever in town, and uh, that's who I interview. Brett Gardner is a guy who, to me, nails, nails, just nails. And he's the kind, he reminds me so much of Dustin Pedroia with the Red Sox in that, as a fan of another team, you just cannot stand, stand them. Right, because they're but, always doing something. To but if you. you are trying to start a ball club, they're, they're one of the first two people you'd want to have on your team. Correct. And, you know, people forget, he, he was on that 2009 Yankee team, but he's yeah. a bench player. Yeah. And uh, he, I think he's the only one left from that team. So, now he's, I mean, he's really survived. Now, he's far from a bench player now, but he's had to, he's had to adjust to a lesser role, probably the kind of role Adam will have next year. Instead of playing 155, 158, he's probably going to play 128, 130, some, somewhere in that range. Well, I see him playing in a lot of games. He's still with the Yankees. Uh, I don't see his, uh, you know, getting a reduced role. I mean, because he's really their only leadoff hitter, and he's still a pretty good one. You know, he's not hitting 300 or anything, but he's still decent enough to be their top guy. Well, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Uh, you know, obviously, the Yankees have had a phenomenal year. Yes, they've had some ups and downs, but to be and have the record that they have in the American League East and still be 10 games behind the Red Sox, who are just a juggernaut. But you know what? The playoffs change everything. It becomes a different game in the playoffs. And I know that you'd rather win a division and have that, that, that three out of five series in the first round as opposed to playing a one-game elimination. Uh, and I think that really is the Yankees' biggest fear right now. I, know, I think they're going to get the game at home if everything kind of stays status quo, but you still have to worry about just a one-game elimination. Well, Craig, I'm going to tell you something. Um, I don't think if they get that wild card, I don't think it's going to be easy. And the reason why I say it's not going to be easy, because of the Oakland A's, and mm-hmm. the Seattle Mariners. Yeah, I think the Seattle. I think both teams, right now on paper, are better than the Yankees. Well, right yeah, I, and and they can better. throw they can throw Paxson out there. There's Mariners, I mean, and that you know in a one game thing, that's what you want your best pitcher on the mound. Right, right. So I mean, I mean, I don't think it's a guarantee that they'll win that wild card. I just think, uh, just looking at this team, you, you know, I just think their pitching staff, and that's what I'm looking at. I think their pitching step doesn't scare me and at then, all. And then I'll be getting text messages, Stan, during this playoff game. Please pray for the Yankees. Please pray for the Yankees. <laughs> I'll pray for you, Bill, because I remember that you've helped me out on this show. I'll right. be praying and for I'll, And I'll text back the same thing. I don't give a damn. Yeah. <laughs> I still text you back a picture of his middle finger. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, one last one last question before we let you go, Bill. We had uh, our friend Mike Shallon on, who you know, Mike, uh, from up in Boston, uh, originally a New Yorker. But he pointed out one thing: as great as the Red Sox regular season is right now, and they lead the Yankees by ten and a half, and I think they mm-hmm. even lead lead Houston by about twelve games. Um, they don't have a starting pitcher 
who has won a postseason game as a starter. Right. That's pretty remarkable that neither Price or Sale have ever won a postseason game, nor Porcello as a well, starting I, I pitcher. Don't I don't think that's going to matter. Okay. I really don't. I just think uh, Price, yeah, Price has had some bad luck in the postseason. Well, There's no doubt about that. Yeah. You know, but that, Chris Sale was never really in the postseason. I understand that. I understand. I can't, I can't judge him just for one year right. being in the postseason for the first time. So, I mean, I, I'm not even worried about that. I okay. That, I think the team. I'm just throwing it out. It's the one little caveat, you know, that. that yeah, that but you, I just don't think that's going to matter. I, uh-huh. I think that if, if I had to pick a team in the American League that was going to the World Series, I would pick the Boston Red Sox. They're that good. I would pick them first. I, I think Alex Corey's done a hell of a job. Yeah. I mean, the way they got rid of Hanley Ramirez, and they just... Never missed a beat. Thri- yeah. They thrived. They All thrived. Right. We've got a run right now, Bill. We always appreciate your chiming in uh, and being on the show with us. Really appreciate Anytime. it. Anytime. All right. Thank you, Bill. Chiming be the sure. operative word. Yeah, safe, <laughs> safe travels. All you right. too now. All right. There you, you know, it. here's the other thing about that real yeah. quick, and that's... Remember when the Orioles beat the uh, Tigers? Yep. Okay. Three, three, three straight. was in that. Yeah, yeah. Price was and you had three Cy Young Award winners: Verlander, Porcello, and and uh, and Price. Right. Yeah. And Scherzer, I think, was part of that. Oh, too. Scherzer too. Scherzer. That's right. Yeah. Porcello so hadn't won. Hadn't won. His, right. Yeah. Exactly. So you had three Cy Young Award winners, and the Orioles took them apart. All right. So hang with us. James Wagner of the New York Times has written a really nice piece. Uh, on Adam Jones will join us in just a couple minutes. The latest edition of Press Box is available now, and it's our annual college football preview edition, featuring thorough previews for all the FBS, FCS, and Division Three football teams in the region, plus a breakdown of the local high school football season as well. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Ravens, Orioles, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Now let me tell you about Ken Island's original sports bar. Craig Heist and I are fans. Big Batch Cafe, located 216 St. Clair Place, Stevensville, Maryland. If you're going down to the eastern shore, it's the first exit over the Bay Bridge. Come up to the stop sign, make a left, and uh, that's St. Clair Place. And uh, drive down about a quarter of a mile, and you'll see Big Batch on your right. On the way down or back from the eastern shore, no place better to stop, relax, and eat. And it's a great place to watch the games, the O's, the Nats, college football, college basketball, Wizards in the Caps, and sometimes some NFL football as well. And sample the best bar grub around, sandwiches, salads, soups, and subs. Tell them at Big Bats Cafe that Craig Heiss and Stan the Fan said, get down there. I'm excited to tell you about one of our newest partners, Loop League. Find them at loopleague.com. What are they all about? Well, this is very cool. You can link together events from across the sports landscape into one comprehensive fantasy pool. So let's just say you're like us. Maybe you're playing a World Cup pool right now. You want to keep that fun going with your friends after the World Cup is over. Maybe you do a football picks pool that you loop together, and that fun continues throughout the course of the year. Start a league today. Invite your friends. Single event leagues are free. Multi-event leagues are just a flat four. $4.99 
$4.99 fee for the entire league, not per person, just $4.99. There's plenty of competitions that Loop League has. I mentioned the World Cup football picks. It continues MLB playoffs. They'll be doing stuff like that. I mean, they even do UFC fights, but if you've got an idea for something that you want to do, you can tell them at Loop League on Twitter, and they'd be willing to consider it. They've got 21 events on the platform right now with more coming. This is something that was started by local guys. It's extremely cool. Loop League. Find them at loopleague.com. Our buddy Steve at Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square is sweetened the menu with the Summer of Peach, featuring a chili and delicious white peach tea lemonade that combines tea and lemonade with fresh white peaches. Many of us were already mixing tea and lemonade, while Chick-fil-A added the extra twist of an essential summer taste, peach. Visit the official Glen Clark Radio Chick-fil-A store on Campbell Boulevard in Nottingham Square. Ironbirds fans, make your way to Lido's Field at Ripken Stadium as your Aberdeen Steam Crabs resurface on Friday, August 24th against the Staten Island Yankees presented by APG FCU. On Saturday, August 25th, your Ironbirds take the field as the Star-Spangled Banners of Aberdeen on Opioid Awareness Night presented by Lido's. Come see the world's best extreme pogo entertainment as the ex-pogo stunt team performs throughout the game and enjoy the number one rated fireworks performance in Northeast Maryland post game. Visit ironbirdsbaseball.com or call 410-297-9292 to secure your Ironbirds experience. KZ, Sari, the NFL chick, KO from the Pressbox Fantasy and Reality Football Show. You can hear it by going to pressboxonline.com slash fantasy every Sunday morning from 10 a.m. to noon. And you can also check us out on facebook.com slash pressboxsports. We talk about college football. We talk about the NFL. We talk about the fantasy aspect. We talk about the reality aspect. And we talk about soccer, the the other type of football. No. No, we don't. We don't? No. Never? No. Yeah, not really. Tennis? No. Nope. Rugby? Nope. No? Just no, football. Just NFL football. football. College, college football. College football. Every Sunday morning, 10 a.m. to noon, Press Box Fantasy and Reality Football Show. In the market for a used car? Stop. Stop looking at used cars and go buy a new Mitsubishi from Jerry's. New Mitsubishis are more fuel efficient and they come with a 100,000-mile powertrain warranty. During Jerry's model year-end sale, new Mitsubishi Mirages start from only $9,300. Or check out the hot new 2018 Mitsubishi Eclipse Cross, loaded with tech. And it comes with all-wheel control starting at $21,000. Visit Jerry's Mitsubishi on Joppa Road and jerrysmitsubishi.com. Prices plus tax, tags, and freight. Sale ends August 27th. Stan the Fan is back along with Craig Heist, and we appreciate your tuning in today, either Facebook Live or listening on the, um, the World Wide Web at pressboxonline.com slash radio. I know we're going to have James Wagner coming up here in just a few seconds mm-hmm. uh, to talk about his Adam Jones column. Uh, which uh, I had a chance to read since you sent it to me. And uh, James was in town when the Mets were here for that two-game series. Uh, And he used to cover the Nationals. Mm -hmm. And the one thing about this Nationals team is the fact that Bryce Harper was hitting like 209 back in June. Right. About the 20th of June. he's near 240 now. Yeah, he's up over 240 now. Okay. And, uh, again, 30 home runs. So, I mean, he's gone from 215 at the Mm All-Star break to to doing what he's doing right now. Yeah, and over that stretch, uh, he's hitting 370. So, he's really gotten it turned around and, you know, just spraying the ball to all fields. Let's bring in James Wagner from the New York Times. 
How are you, James? I'm okay. How are you, man? I'm, I'm all right. So, so guys, I, I really, guys, I really should just know start, each other. I really just should have started out by going, "What's up, Wagner?" Uh, yeah, and then I probably would have said some stuff. Yeah, I know. <laughs> How you but, doing, pal? But you really way, like each other. Either you way, both I just like want to get out of the way for yeah, exactly people listening and for you guys. You know, I have like a rule against appearing on any shows that heist I, is on. Yeah, exactly. But I have uh, made an exception because there's another person in the booth as well. <laughs> <laughs> nice to meet you, well, James. Uh, Stan, the, Stan, Stan, Stan the fan here. You don't know how true that is because if you weren't here, Stan, <laughs> yeah. I'd have never called him. <laughs> hey, so James, why did you call him? <laughs> James, we had you on because you wrote a really, really nice piece. It really resonated with me. Uh, and I've had my, some problems with Adam. He can be pretty flippant uh, to some members of the media if you don't say perfect things about him uh but uh you wrote a really poignant piece about what he's going through now how did you find his state of mind and did you find that he is just taking it like sort of one day at a time right now uh no i mean i guess my impression you know i'm not around him as often as you guys are and you guys probably have a better feel for him as a person and person and personality uh but you know i've heard things about him and you know being kind of from the dc area i've been reading about him for quite some time uh, so, I don't know, I mean, it sounds like to me, uh, I mean, obviously anything can change, you, you know, it sounds like he reported a clear waivers the other day, which would allow him to be traded to any other team, but again, he would have the right to 10-5, which is 10 years uh, of service time in Major League Baseball, five with consecutive with one team. He has the collective bargain, collectively bargained rights to say no, so even though he's cleared waivers again, based on what he told me, uh, he doesn't really want to go anywhere, it sounds like. Uh, firstly, you know, the you know, the Indians were on him and, and so were the Phillies and the Phillies, you know, tried to trade for him. They wanted a veteran outfielder to help them out down the stretch and a proven kind of outfielder. But he was gonna, you know, see a reduction in playing time, um, which is a factor and you know, I think the deal would have come together too quickly. You know, it, it's a kind of major life decision for him, mm-hmm. having lived somewhere for eleven years. Um, you know, to discuss it with his family and he, I don't think he felt like he had enough time to do that. But in any case, uh, you know, it, it probably sounds like he wouldn't have even approved it, even if he'd had several weeks, because he wants to be there. Like, I don't know, I think people forget the kind of how ruthless professional sports can be, like the business of it. You know, teams you know, trade you at any moment, uh, cut you at any moment. Um, he had the ability to choose where he could go, or at least say no to going somewhere else. Um, and I think there's a lot of emotion behind that. It's not necessarily just baseball. Uh, you know, imagine spending... It was an eleven. And it was an eleven full years because uh, he does still does live in San Diego in the off season. But you know, the eleven years that he has gone from, you know, he came to Baltimore as a twenty-two year old. He's thirty-three now, and just the way he's grown up and the way he's grown up with the city and the things he said and spoken out about uh, that are issues that pertain to the city and mean a lot to the people there. Um, and he doesn't. Um, it, it's not lost on him that you know he is a prominent uh, African American player in a city with a very large African-American population, um, and in a sport where there are very few African-American yep. players. So I think that stuff means a lot to him. So it's a very long-winded answer for me to say that I don't. I think that he internalized all that stuff and cares about that and wanted to be there for kind of all those reasons, especially the last ones I said. Well, James, not only does he earn the right because of that 10-5 status, but I think what you just explained speaks volumes about the character of the guy uh, who is not afraid 
to speak out about uh, issues uh, that that involve everybody nowadays, from what he went through when he was at Fenway Park up in Boston, uh, to how he is in the community here in Baltimore. And how he felt that uh, and, the citizens right. were affected by the Freddie Gray situation. A- absolutely. Here. I think that just speaks volumes about the kind of guy he is. And... Uh, I, I really just think it's a situation that no, no matter how dire the team is right now in terms of record and what they're trying to do to get it turned around, he wants to be a part of it. Yeah. But I think there's just so much more that goes into it than that. Yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I mean, I don't think the Orioles are turning this around anytime soon. They're not going to be like, you know, a, a winning team by September, obviously. They're really young. They're probably going to lose the most number of games ever since they've been the Orioles. So uh, I think that, you know, for him, you know, he wants to honor his contract. He signed a six-year extension. He wants to see it through. And also, like, part of him, I mean, he didn't really say this, but I think it's probably obvious, but uh, that, you know, you're there a long time. You mean a lot to a, a, a fan base and to a city. You probably want to go out on your own terms, yep. and you want to go out in a way that you're recognized. Like, if he had been traded July 31st, uh, you know, a deal comes together really quickly. Uh, you know, when would he have had his chance to say goodbye? Like, you know, he told me, and they put this in there, like, you know, he knows every security card at Camden Yard. His mom and his brother do too, and his wife knows all the people in the suites because they're there all the time. It's not just like I show up and I play for Buckshaw Walter and I put on a uniform. Like you get to know every single person you see every day at a place, and you know without saying your goodbyes or without like actually like seeing it through, uh, I think that meant something to him. Uh, as with everyone, like you know, I mean, we maybe have more of a chance to say. I mean, if you get laid off at your job, no matter where you are, you don't get the chance to say goodbye to everyone, really. But I think if you have the ability to and the chance to control how you, you go out, why wouldn't you do it on your terms? Well, it's really interesting, and you, you wouldn't know this because you're not following the Orioles day-to-day. He did an interview with Gary Thorne when the team was in Minnesota right. on Saturday when they were in Minnesota, right around the 4th of July, I think the 5th or 6th of July. And Thorne asked him point blank, well, if the team comes to you at the end of the month, and uh, you know, will you accept the trade? And he goes, well, I'll have to see what happens. He goes, but the ideal situation would be like Chapman last year where I'm traded, get a chance to win a ring, and then I come back. And he kept looking and mugging at the camera, and then I come back. And I'm wondering if his decision is more born on the fact that he's not getting the vibe back from the team that we're going to want you back after we trade you and get, and get a player for you that's it for us. Right. Uh, you want to come back, but we don't want you back. And then the other thing is that Dan Duquette at the press conference, when all the sell-off was going on, said that we've made it, you know, Abundantly Adam wants clear, to be yeah. here, but we've made it clear that we're going in a younger direction. So maybe he isn't getting that vibe. I think that he, I mean, he realized this. You saw over a week ago he's been playing right field. They moved him to right field to right. make room for Cedric Wallens and center. So, I mean, he obviously has, he knows he can't just, have it all on his own terms. Like he has yep. to uh, be amenable to them, and part of that is obviously changing his long-time position, which he kind of had to. He had no choice. I and mean, if he's going to stay there, he probably has to do um, kind of make that concession. So, yes, I mean, like I don't know. I mean, it was, I don't know enough about the Orioles front office and what they're thinking, uh, but I, you know, I can't help but think that why wouldn't they be a kind of at least a consideration for him in uh, free agency? Yeah. Uh, maybe he just finishes out there. Uh, obviously, on a, on a, a shorter. Uh, less valuable contract than he's on now. Uh, but, I mean, why not have someone that knows how to be a major leaguer be around young players to show them how to do that, see there's value in that. Uh, he is 33, so he still has 
some time left, obviously, to he's play. He's still got some tread uh, on the tires, yeah. He's still yeah, got but some 30, 30, 30, early 30s isn't what it used to be yep. uh, in Major League Baseball, as the last years have shown and the free agency has shown, too. So who knows how much longer he could really be kind of an asset to a team in that way. But, uh, I mean, I think you can just, like, look at an example. I mean, obviously it didn't end the same way, but uh, just there in the uh, that area, I mean, Jason Worth near the end of his career, with the Nationals, he obviously was not – as productive on the field as he was, say, off the field, and kind of leading the team, showing people how things are done, um, showing younger players, putting them in their place, being a leader. I think that stuff still has some sort of value. Uh, it's kind of hard to quantify and kind of hard to explain and see, but uh, I think there is some value in that. So potentially maybe there's an opening for him to do the same thing there yeah. after this, this season. You know, what's interesting to me is this is a team in transition in a lot of ways, and most notably the owner of the team is 89 years old, ironically on July the 4th, which was George Steinbrenner's birthday. Um, He's been in ill health. His sons are more and more taking over the team, and it's been very interesting to watch this summer, Craig, in the midst of this horrible, horrific season that they reached out to two of their legends, Brooks Robinson and Eddie Murray, and I expect them to do the same with Cal, but after the season, to bring them back in the fold, partly ceremonial in Brooks's case. I think, Eddie, they really would like to have be with the team a little bit from time to time. But And then you trade your most notable longtime Oriole. There's something that's contradictory in terms about that, that we want these great Orioles back in the fold, but the guy on the field we don't care about anymore. <laughs> well, there is, but the other part about you mentioned Cal. I think yeah. if Cal does come back to this team – He'll have a more advanced role than yes, any he's, of Yes, yeah. he won't be ceremonial. <laughs> exactly. So. We're talking with James Wagner of the New York Times. Uh, James, uh, of, of the people you've interviewed that, that do uh, really touch with the community, is this a player in Adam Jones that it comes off as really as genuine and meaningful to him as it is to the people that he affects the other way? Yeah, I don't, unlike, uh, you know, as I, as I kind of prefaced before, like, I, I'm not around him on a daily basis. Like, you guys are, uh, see everything he's done. But even from afar, you know, I'm from the D.C. area, so I've always read about the Orioles, and so I kind of follow what happened. Um, and the same thing. I mean, even if you didn't pay close attention, I think you would have noticed, like, when he had spoken up the last several years and what he'd been doing um, in the community. So I think um, even to a casual fan, uh would be obvious that when he did speak up, he spoke up powerfully. Um, and in a way, I think that would stand out. And I think a way that would convey, you know, a, a kind of meaningful message. Uh, everything from Freddie Gray. So I thought was a very thoughtful. I mean, the way he handled it was the things he said were very thoughtful. Yep. Uh, to when he spoke up about racism in baseball and the underlying issues about kind of the, uh, the socioeconomic and racial makeup of the sport already. Uh, I think those were themes there, too. Uh, and those are complicated uh, issues and, and you look across baseball. How many players actually speak up and say something kind of poignant about those things? Like very few. I mean, most of them don't speak their mind and say something kind of interesting or thoughtful about those. I mean, most of them don't want to put themselves out there, even though they probably feel something internally or inside or have thought about it. Uh, and Adam, I think uh, he'd said this, and, and I kind of heard this and knew this already. Like he, before he opens his mouth on any of those kind of more complex issues, he thinks about it. He reads yeah. a lot. He thinks. Uh, what would I say? How do I feel? Um, so when he spoke up in Fenway about the kind of, you know, the, the racial, sl- you know, slurs and taunts that were thrown at him, like he thought about it and what he was going to say. 
Uh, and the same thing with Freddie Gray. And other times he speaks up about, say, you know, issues involving youth um, or education uh, or inequality in the city uh, and elsewhere. Like, he's thought about that stuff. And obviously he's, like, lived it. Uh, him and his wife give out scholarships uh, to kids of need. Uh, and the same thing, you know, their donations, annual donations and fundraising for the Boys and Girls Clubs there locally. Um, he's seen it and been around it. I mean, there's other players I've been around that I think have the kind of same genuine quality. Um, I think back to, you know, Craig can speak to this as well. Ian Desmond, when he was with the Washington Nationals. Oh, yeah. Um, and I don't really know what he's up to now with Colorado as well. I'm sure he's probably doing or trying to do some of the same initiatives he had. But Ian had a special connection with D.C. He'd been there so long, um, volunteering at the academy there, uh, you know, for inner-city kids. Um, and I think Ian uh, felt the responsibility in the same way I've seen in Adam uh, to, you know, be a professional athlete, but also have give a platform and a, an opportunity, responsibility, and you know, to have a larger voice and to do things that maybe say other people can say things about things, well, raise awareness or talk about or do things that other people may don't have the same ability to. Well, you wrote a terrific piece. It really uh, was uh, above above the grade, uh, in my opinion. I love particularly the way you ended it. You came around to the fan who appreciated that Adam and most fans probably, even though they love Adam Jones, they would selfishly sort of say, well, why don't we get that player for him? And, yeah, he did a yeah. lot for us. But you said there's something – I mean, you quoted a fan saying there's something really special about a player wanting to play for their team. And there's no question the Orioles are Adam Jones's team of choice. Correct. And I think if people forget, I mean, obviously he's making a good amount of money, $85 you know, million dollar extension. Yep. I mean, he he's not you know, he's not doing poorly. I mean, he's doing great uh, in that sense. But – these are still human beings. You know, teams treat them as commodities, obviously. It's their assets. Like, this, if you listen to the way their players are even talked about sometimes, uh, let's get an asset. We have a depreciating asset. Let's get something back for it and get something more long-term asset. You know, like, let's get something out of our assets and get more assets. It's interesting to hear the way they talk about them. But these guys are human beings, and he had the ability to do something um, and choose and live it how he wanted to. Uh, so I think... I think fans maybe appreciate that. And I mean, some of them, obviously, I think Adam has probably gotten some blowback for um, kind of not kind of playing ball with the Orioles yeah. and letting, them, letting himself get traded. Uh, but, you know, I think if an average human being or average person would put themselves in their shoes, like if you had the ability to control what your boss did about you and your job, like would you agree with that? Like uh, would you, wouldn't you want to exercise that ability? Um, I just find it interesting the way, like, uh, just in general, when you see, like, a player sign for, like, a team-friendly deal and, like, you know, fans applaud that. The fans are applauding that they got a player for cheap. Mm-hmm. Uh, but really, if you put yourself in their shoes, would you applaud that you got a kind of uh, – you signed a, 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 a company-friendly deal with your own company? No, I think, like, players are so – you know, don't maybe get the leverage as often, and this guy exercises it, and I think some people appreciate that and maybe others. Yeah, and the, the irony to me is the owner – Peter Angelos, the one who's in in declining health, he was a firm believer in that contract. You signed him. He wouldn't renegotiate extending you until that contract ended. He was a believer. You got a six-year contract. I'll pay you for six years. You play out the six years. I got one last question for you, James, though. It's interesting. When you look at Adam's real value and worth now moving forward, if he wants to continue playing baseball, and let's say the Orioles are not interested in him, 
the one team that would seem to still be a fit next year would be the Philadelphia Phillies. Do you think they hope, because they know him, Andy McPhail traded for him, uh, you know, Matt Klentak knows him. Do you think there's a grudge held that way if the Orioles are miffed at him for not playing ball? Are the Phillies during the offseason saying, eh, we had the chance to get you. You didn't want to come help us. We're not interested in you anymore. Did he limit his options by turning down the Phillies? Uh, I, without knowing enough about the way the Phillies front office thinks, I really couldn't say that. But, yep. I mean, I think that, uh, in general, uh, you're dealing with a far more narrow market maybe at uh, on July 31st than you are, say, in the offseason. Off-season, yep. So, where he is probably a good fit for them on July 31st, maybe isn't always necessarily a good fit yep. for them in uh in the offseason. So, for example, like, you know, obviously the Phillies have long been rumored. They have, you know, their up-and-coming team with young talent and a lot of money to spend, and they do, they do generate a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they would be players, say, for, say, Manny Machado or Bryce Harper. They're not players for, probably not, they, they tried to be players for Manny Machado on July 31st, but Harper, they couldn't really do that. Harper really wasn't available. So, yeah, so the equation changes. Like, you know, maybe Harper is available. They go full after him, go hard after him in the offseason they couldn't do on July 31st. So really, I mean, I hear you. The, yeah. to, to use the same like kind of language I was using before about assets, like the inventory changes in the offseason. Great point. Uh, so Great. who knows like if he's still a match for them? I mean, potentially, why not? I mean, I think there's always kind of some value to a young, up-and-coming team having uh, you know, a veteran player. Uh, and you know, Adam, in some ways, potentially could be a good fit for an American League team, too, uh, DHing because he can yep. still hit. Uh, DHing when he's not playing offense. I think he's not playing the field, uh, so I think I don't know. I mean, I think he could still be an option for Philadelphia now uh, in the offseason. He might still be an option for them in ten days. Who knows? Yeah, who could? He could. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, we appreciate you. Go ahead. No, I was going to say real quick during the course of this interview, I heard sirens in the background. Do you have to go? No, I'm just saying, I'm in New York right now, obviously, and you know, there's really a few quiet places around here. A lot so, of sirens yeah, like, in New York. You know, I structure down my block and stuff because so I'm standing outside. Because uh, you know, I didn't want to make too much noise in my apartment, so I'm hey, sitting out here. James Wagner, the New York Times. We appreciate your coming on, talking a little bit about your piece. I urge everyone uh, in our listener or viewership to uh, uh, go to NewYorkTimes.com and uh, try and glance at the story. It's really a good one. Thanks, James. Thanks, yeah. And I actually had a good conversation with Craig, oddly enough. Yeah, so, oddly yeah. enough. That's the word well, because now, I was <laughs> here. Everybody was on good behavior. Uh, yeah, yeah, because I, I wouldn't yeah. if he hadn't been here. I'd have never called, <laughs> honest. <laughs> I'll talk to you soon, James. Thank Thanks, you. guys. Take care. All right. There's James Wagner of the New York Times. Now that goes to about five years of just going back and forth with one another. <laughs> big Bats. Yeah. How about you helping me with this ad? Go ahead. What do you like about Big Bats like other that. than the basis? I like the fact that you can go and across the bit. bridge, go in, get some great food, visit the theme rooms that are over there. And there's yep. one in particular, the Orioles theme room with classic memorabilia from the glory years and uh it's a really neat place to kind of you know if you're over there eating just you know get up walk around take a look at everything it has to offer soak in the environment in exactly yeah and a great place to go uh to rest up it's good you know when you get a little older in the 40s and 50s and even 60s you're driving it's good to break it up after about an hour uh, get get out of the car, stretch your legs, go to the know, bathroom, go to the yeah. bathroom, <laughs> and eat some great grub there. They got great bathrooms there. Yes, at they the, do. At the Big Bats, Big Bats Cafe. It's located. 
216 St. Clair Place. Again, if you're going to the Eastern Shore, first exit after the bridge, Stevensville. Come up to the stop sign, make a left, go down about a quarter of a mile on the right. Tell them that Stan the Fan and Craig Heiss sent you. Score big at the Green Turtle with our legendary crab dip, juicy burgers, or any of our delicious boardwalk iced teas and lemonades. Bring the whole team and celebrate your latest win in our rent-free party room. Need to raise money for your sports league or team? Our Funds for Friends program has raised over $1 million for local sports organizations. Everyone is a winner at the Turtle. Visit thegreenturtle.com to find your local turtle. The latest edition of PressBox is available now, and it's our annual college football preview edition, in which we offer thorough previews of the season for all of the FBS, FCS, and Division III programs in the state. Additionally, the edition includes a preview of the high school football season for the region as well. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Ravens, Orioles, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Visit Buffalo Wild Wings weekdays from 11 to 2 and take advantage of their new 15-minute lunch guarantee or your lunch is free. That's right, free. And with the 15-minute lunch guarantee, that means less time waiting and more time eating delicious B-dubs before you got to get back to the office. Buffalo Wild Wings, White Marsh, Owings Mills, and Westminster Wings Beer Sports available for dine-in orders at participating locations for a limited time. See restaurant for details. Matt, we normally come on here and tell everyone, go listen to Section 336 and just to take our advice to go listen to 336. Instead of us telling you why we're awesome, let's have other people tell you why we're awesome. This person says, definitely a bunch of Oriole fans who just want to be able to buy playoff tickets. Section 336 is the greatest Baltimore Orioles podcasts around look forward to listening every week these guys are coconuts and if that's not enough reason to listen they are a great listen if you want orioles talk even during the off season if you're lucky they might even talk about the ravens josh matt and bert are a must listen every week check section 336 out for yourself on itunes or wherever you get your podcasts i'm excited to tell you about one of our newest partners loop league find them at loopleague.com what are they all about well this is very cool you can link together events from across the sports landscape into one comprehensive fantasy pool so let's just say you're like us maybe you're playing a world cup pool right now you want to keep that fun going with your friends after the world cup is over maybe you do a football picks pool that you loop together and that fun continues throughout the course of the year start a league today invite your friends single event leagues are free multi-event leagues are just a flat 4.99 fee for the entire league not per person just 4.99 there's plenty of competitions that loop league has i mentioned the world cup football picks it continues mlb playoffs they'll be doing stuff like that i mean they even do UFC fights, but if you've got an idea for something that you want to do, you can tell them at Loop League on Twitter, and they'd be willing to consider it. They've got 21 events on the platform right now, with more coming. This is something that was started by local guys. It's extremely cool. Loop League. Find them at loopleague.com. This is former Terp AJ Francis, just here to let you know that I am a huge wrestling fan. I know you are too, and there's a lot of stupid idiots out there that ruin the wrestling podcast experience for everyone else. Hey, Aaron Oster from the Baltimore Sun and Rolling Stone. I don't understand why people would ever cheer for Roman Reigns. He's awful. I'm sick of it. Boo! Boo Roman Reigns! Never wrestled for Ring of Honor, never wrestled for PWG, never wrestled Uh, in Japan. He is no Kenny Omega. Too sweet me, bro. I hate both of you, and this is why I keep stupid idiots like you on my list. This is your boy Y2AJ here to save you. Find Jobbing Out, the podcast tab at PressBoxOnline.com on SoundCloud or iTunes. 
back on the battle round. Uh, many thanks to our friend Kyle Ottenheimer for coming in this week to take over for Brittany Everett. What did she have, like a mandatory day of work at Towson University? Yeah, it was something like that. Yes, that sounds correct. I was yeah. going to say either that or her voice is just so much deeper this week. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, we appreciate Kyle Ottenheimer for coming in. Don't forget, you can watch Kyle and Glenn Clark Monday through thir- Monday through Friday, excuse me, on the uh, Glenn Clark Radio Show by going to fe- Facebook.com/slash/PressBoxSports or tune it in to listen at uh, PressBoxOnline.com/slash/Radio. Ten to twelve. Ten to twelve tomorrow is. Uh, Mr. Uh, Ken Zalis and Sarita Hubbard, along with Kyle Ottenheimer, fantasy and reality football show. I'm sure it'll be a good one because the drafts are coming at people very hot and heavy right now. Uh, we'll be back next Saturday. I believe you'll be back next Saturday. I, yeah, unless something happens between unless now the sirens, and then. Unless, unless the, the sirens, sirens come. come, yeah. Right. Uh, uh, Orioles and Indians, game two of the series today at 4 405. 4.05, and that matchup is Alex Cobb, who's finally been, the last six, seven times, has been pitching like the Alex Cobb we thought we were getting. He goes against Adam Plutko. I'll be on on my personal Facebook page with After Bird Watching at around 7.15, 7.30, whenever the game ends, 15 minutes after that. And tomorrow, Andrew Kashner and Mike Clevenger go at 110. Let's hope for that 15-16 inning game. Yeah, right. after. Please stop it. Please right, stop it. And the, and the uh, Nationals and Marlins uh, game two of their series tonight at Nats Park. 7.05 there. And uh, that pitching matchup is Tommy Malone against the former Oriole Wei-Yin Chen. Wow. You know, by the way, last night the Astros had a 3-2 to two lead in that game. And uh, that kid, Laureano, mm-hmm. I forget his first yeah. name, uh, he gets on first base and there's a ball hit in the alley. Reddick throws it into Correa, who was the cutoff man, moved over to second base, throws a bullet to the catcher. They called him out at the plate, which would have been the second out, and there would have been one guy on base. They challenged Laureano, jumped up, and immediately went. Mm-hmm. Oh, who's that guy who used to pick <clears throat> the finger all the time? I forget. One of the Latin players. Uh, <laughs> Palmero? <laughs> no, no, no. He put, not point the fingers at oh. Congress. No, no, no. Like somebody like Pascal Perez or yeah. something like that. But anyway, he was doing that to the dugouts. Well, and Dikembe Matumbo does that all the time. It's almost like Matumbo. But anyway, they took about two minutes to review it, and they called him safe. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think there was enough to overturn the out call, and they did. One of the things in the Nats game last night, they win that game 8-2, to two, okay? And the Marlins make a couple of errors, which help lead to some of the runs, but... Bryce Harper singled up the middle, mm-hmm. dead center field, and then turned it into a double. Right. Uh, just a hustle double. So he's playing at a high level right and, now. Right. And he went from first to third on a base hit by Soto, and he winds up, I'm sorry, Rendon, and he goes first to third and then comes home on a throwing error by the right fielder last night. His hustle on the bases, the way he's hitting the ball, uh, gives you a lot of hope for what's, yeah. you know, for him. Interesting to see if they can pull it together. It's right amazing. Now. All right. Uh, anyway, thanks for tuning in. Uh, we'll see you next week, same time, same station. Thank you for listening and watching.